everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Genre Equality Podcast. I'm Hitzir. I'm Hadi. I'm Aisa. And this month we have a lot to talk about. And weirdly enough, not so many titles, but a lot of controversies. Uh, yeah, man. I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. Don't let me go. Uh, but you have to go. But you gotta go. Sony is taking um, Spider-Man back. Uh, we'll obviously be discussing that whole brouhaha towards the end of the show. And, yeah. uh, we'll also be talking about all the big news coming out of D23. Ooh, yes. Disney's own Comic Con. Yep, yep, you yep. know when I joked last month about how Disney was saving stuff? Or well, Marvel was saving stuff? It wasn't stuff? a joke. Uh? I didn't think it would be that much. Uh. I thought it would mm. save like one or two bits of news. No, they had to make an entire convention. Ma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but no, just just if you're not talking about Star Wars, not talking about Disney animated, I'm just yeah. talking about Marvel. The oh, amount yeah. of stuff that they announced is fit for a convention by itself, you know. It's like Phase Five and stuff, all correct. Uh, and yeah. additions to Phase Four that they've already yeah, announced. Exactly. Yeah, And of course, we'll be talking about all the big movies and TV shows mm-hmm. that came out. Uh, specifically, things like Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, our favorite greatest of all time comic book show of all time. Oh yeah. Yes, Agents of Shield, mm-hmm. a, a show that we used to love, Legion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought this season was a bit better. For this season was a bit better. The Handmaid's yeah. Tale. Oh, um, yes. and weirdly enough, Netflix actually brought back a lot of old '90s Nickelodeon shows. Oh. in terms of Invader Zim. Oh yeah, yeah, And yeah, uh, yeah. Rocco's Modern Life. Mm. Uh, and they brought it back on the same weekend. It's it's weird lah. My solo. It might as well, right? Yeah. Uh, but first, I'm gonna start off with the Hugo Awards 2019. How yes, did that go, guys? Uh, the Hugo Awards, if you don't know, is the genre equivalent of the Eisner's la, in okay. terms of all literature not just comic books la. Mm. Um, and it's one of the biggest I- if you're a sci-fi writer if you're a horror writer or a fantasy writer the Hugo Awards is like winning an Emmy okay. or like winning an Oscar it's it's a prestigious prestigious deal and it was the 77th Hugo Awards just this month right. oh. so I want to like just you know congratulate some of the big winners specifically um, our not not quite countrymen but well Countryman adjacent uh. Yeah, yeah uh, Malaysia's own author uh, Zen Cho yeah. uh, Backed a Hugo Award For the best Sci-fi novelette Nice uh, So congratulations The novelette is titled If at first you don't succeed Try, try again Oh Yep What's uh, it about? Yeah, uh, it's actually a really good book. Mm-hmm. I read it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. It's a very short book. It Literally. Tells, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was taking a poop. Like, if you guys want to know, uh, it tells the story of Imuji, who is a quote unquote lesser dragon who goes on a journey to attain uh, a form of full fledged dragonhood mm-hmm. and gain entry into the gates of heaven. Okay. Uh, along the way, Imugi meets a girl who accompanies the lesser dragon on its journeys. Oh. Uh, so it's a sweet tale. Um, of course, you know there are other winners like the Calculating Stars by Mary Robinette Kowal, uh, Artificial Condition by Martha Wells, and of and and the one that I really want to talk about, right, is the fan fiction uh, yes. website that won the oh, award. Oh yeah, I heard about this too. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of a big deal because everybody who contributed work in the fan fiction is considered a Hugo winner now. A Hugo winner, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's such a historic thing because fan fiction ha- hasn't been taken seriously. I mean, it's more of a writing exercise most of the time mm-hmm. rather than a serious like, you know, book thing lah. Yep. Literature thing lah. Yeah. yeah. Usually writers use it as a writing exercise or aspiring writers mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, people who want to fill in the gaps lah. Mm. Yeah. Famously, uh, the writer director of uh, The Cabin in the Woods, Drew Goddard, got his start in fanfiction. Uh, he wrote Buffy fanfic. He was okay. noticed by uh, Joss Whedon. For a moment, I was going like, is he going to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey? What? Why? Because <laughs> there's a Twilight fanfic. Oh, it started out as Twilight fan. Right, right, yeah. Well, if you are unaware, the website I'm talking about is called An Archive of Our mm. Own. So please go check that out. Apparently, yeah. there's a lot of great fanfic there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't written fanfic I mean, since our, my live journal our days. Fan, our, our great fan of fanfic is our good friend Chris Falk. 
Yeah, shout yeah. Up, shout who writes a bunch of his own. I don't know and whether he Zianti. contributes to any archive yeah. of our own stuff. He and could be a Hugo winner. For yeah, all we know. Yeah, is Yanti uh, also who has been on this podcast actually? Correct. Yeah, yeah she's last also year another actually. fanfic uh, uh, aspirant. Yeah. She writes a lot of uh, slash supernatural fic. That's quite cool, right? That's pretty cool, yeah. uh. uh Got a shout. Got a shout out. Some of the stuff that are that mm. is uh, on screen. Um, very notable win for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse nice. which we all agree right yeah, yes. Sure. yes it has to yes. win all the awards mm. has to uh, and of course the best dramatic presentation long form and short form uh-huh. goes to The Good Place oh. specifically for the Darcy episode oh I love that episode yeah uh, we love that episode did she just like win all the awards she like, did <laughs> like when they presented the cast it's just like her, just her. Janet 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 <laughs> that episode is so good though yeah man yeah. Uh, so congrats to all the various uh, Hugo Award winners. Yeah, uh, Monstrous actually beat out uh, <gasps> two Brian K. Vaughan books in Paper Goals, which I'll be talking about later. Okay. And Saga. Uh, the as I mentioned, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. They beat out Sorry to Bother You, which we loved as well. Yeah, yeah, it beat out A Quiet Place, which we loved we as loved well. Also, yeah. It beat out Black Panther, which we loved as we well. Loved also. <laughs> uh, yeah. Infinity War. Mm. And Annihilation All oh. of them were all very highly rated by us you know? Yeah, we yeah. liked all of that But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse I think, yeah Yeah, quality I mean, even though it didn't like Destroy the box office it Yeah Yeah, it was the lowest Lowest Spider-Man movie Of the list, of the list of yeah, the list? yeah. yeah. Do you want to know who The Good Place beat out? Who? The Good Place beat out itself <gasps> uh, It beat out <laughs> Jeremy Barramy That episode Oh no but Okay like there, 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 were, there were other things as well yeah, 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 it, yeah. it also beat out Doctor Who's Demons of the Punjab Which I actually reviewed Oh yeah you did uh, It beat out The Expense Abaddon's Gate Which was Ooh, an incredible was episode. episode Yes And it beat out Weirdly enough An album By Janelle Monet Called Dirty Computer Oh wow Which was also considered For a dramatic presentation I mean we didn't go through that But uh, I talked about it a bit In Quick Kids la, yeah. Because it was a short film As well yeah, yeah, yeah. That accompanied the The whole album la. Yeah, very, like very, very wonderful work And do check out All the books I mentioned Especially our Malaysian girl uh, Zen Show mm-hmm. Her book is available online You can get it on Kindle If you're mm-hmm. not the physical type yeah. uh, But you can go to Kinokonia as well yeah. And get it there Alright uh, We would like to kick off This episode <laughs> By talking about I, I don't know how many times like, I can say this. Say it. The tremendous, spectacular, amazing, best comic book show of all time. Okay, basically you can say it one more time. La. You want me to say it again? I mean, well, we got one more. One more season, right? Yeah, one more season. The Next best season. comic book show of all time. Yeah, there we go. It's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There we go. Season 6. Ooh. If you if you gave up halfway in the middle of season one, I, d- I don't know what to say to you lah. You just you just missed out on one of the greatest shows. Yeah, yeah. Like when when I started this podcast, mm-hmm. I did not think the agents of Shield would be going as strong as it did until mm-hmm. now. Yep. There are very few shows that we review that are is this consistently strong every year. Every year, yeah. Like I can only think of maybe the expense. Mm. Yeah, you know, but it has a shorter runtime also. Of course, I mean, of course, been yeah. around so long, right? Uh, but uh, admittedly, this season was only thirteen episodes as exactly, well. Uh, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, but like I can only think of the expense and very few shows like usually it's outside the genre. Uh, the magicians for me personally. Oh yeah, but agents of shield like from two, three, four, five, six. At this point, right? Once they like cut off the tether to the MCU, lah. Yeah. Yeah. And and sure, you may argue that Doom Patrol had a better season this season. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was okay. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, or, or, or Legion season one was a better was a, the best se- was better than any of the Agents of Shield seasons. Sure. But I mean, could they string yeah. together a bunch of great seasons? Because they couldn't. No. Or at least in the case of Doom Patrol, hasn't proven that it can. Yeah. We'll see. Agents of Shield has proven it over and over and over again. Yeah. They defended their championship, and to me, that's what makes a champion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is the Tom Brady of uh, TV shows. The goat. Yeah. The G of 
G-O-A-T Especially of comic book shows yeah, comic book But shows. I'm gonna go As far to say as genre shows Because very few shows very few. Are just this consistent I, you know? Yeah Greatest of all time Not even a, a close race mm. uh, Yeah I mean What do you guys think About the latest season Of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well It continued its tradition Of just Mind-blowing shit lah, right? Yeah. Um, this time I love that we, we were going All around the place yeah. yeah Right We had stories in space We had mm-hmm. stories Back on earth mm-hmm. We had A Multiverse kind of thing Going on Yeah With uh, Sarge And his crew And the additions Of villains Who are actually compelling la. They weren't from the multiverse But no, 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 I know, I know. Sorry I n- No spoiler review No spoiler review yeah. yet Yeah Sorry not multiverse but I, I don't know how to explain it But anyway yeah. mm. They came from somewhere else la. They came from somewhere else Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, will, you will figure that out Towards the end Yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought there was Brilliant um, chemistry between like Yo-Yo and Mac again, mm-hmm. as usual. Their their whole story, and then that that guy Keller, Keller, right? It's a bit of a waste, I think. Yeah. Um. Oh. I lo- I loved all the like little little side characters. Keller has been around since season three, guys. He's yeah, been around yeah, for yeah. a long time. Yeah, but he's always you know one of the background guys, you know. I didn't realize how much I loved him until what happened to him. Until happened. what happened to him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> that's like a minor spoiler. Yeah, but I mean Keller is a minor character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly lah Sadly la, yeah. yeah But yeah So This felt more urgent mm. Than the other seasons Shorter runtime Shorter runtime Yeah correct yeah, For sure The so pacing definitely Was fast And like, every episode Had so many things going on yeah. Happening By the end of the episode You're like Just exhausted You're like Wow that just happened Yeah And I, I, I This was one of those shows Because it came out every week right Yeah uh, I binged I'll say like I binged like six And then I waited Every week after mm. that Like I trade people back Yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then So it, um, I was I was just anticip- I couldn't wait For the next episode To come out mm. I really enjoyed it Without any spoilers la, um, mm. The fits and Gemma uh, 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 episodes yeah. That, oh my god yeah. Just heartbreaking And just oh, mm. Just beautiful every, every season yeah. Every season We get one Fitzsimmons like episode Like Fitzsimmons And I think this one Might be the, the One of the sweetest ones So far Yeah Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I mean, what about you, Isa? Just like you know, overall thoughts on the season. Uh, I I do like the fact that they kept it to thirteen episodes. I think that really helped. Um. And I think the only reason they they got renewed, I think they got renewed for twenty six episodes, which would normally be one season, yeah. La, yeah. But split they split into two. Split two, two yeah. yeah. So they've they've kind of uh they've kind of tailored away from um what was the tree arc. Mm. Um, mm. Three arc season They called it like episodes. pods yeah. yeah And now they're just doing like uh, One straight through For the 13 episodes I really like that I think uh, It was a It's a bit of a break for us From what they had done In season 5 as well As it really helped the pacing mm. I think like It was just the right amount Of content and mm. action uh, In every episode To keep me Because I binged it all At one go Right all I wasn't right. waiting for it with the, to, to keep me interested the entire time. There are times when I binge stuff, right? And it's just like, you know, uh, episode 4 and then episode 12. I'm yeah. just like, okay, you know, I'm kind of like saturated with this. But none of that this time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there was enough uh, twists and turns to keep anyone interested. Yeah. Uh, and always second guessing at any given point in time. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, I have to say that this is one of my favorite seasons so far, mm-hmm. hands down. Uh, and season uh, 4 may be slightly better, but this is a great season. It is yeah. a great season. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I barely have any complaints about it. And as yeah. we have had mm. n- very little complaints over the last what four, four years, seasons, yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, super happy what you're doing, and um, I hope we can dive into spoiler territory a bit and a see bit, what yeah. we can talk about. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's so weird that this show is still so perennially underrated. Yeah. Not even amongst fans, but even within the Marvel uh, community, lah, in terms of the creatives. Yeah. Because it is th- it frequently seems like the red-headed stepchild of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, it does. It um, does. and the thing that worried me the most going through the season was that season five ended with what most fans would call a series finale. Yes. It almost felt like a perfect. Series finale until ABC made a surprise decision to renew it for two seasons, lah. Yeah, two or one, two. Two. I mean, technically, it's the one. the episode order is one season, lah, but ah, it's split into two, lah. Yeah, but thankfully they found a way to tell plenty of cool new stories in this quote unquote post Coulson era. Yeah, I mean the creative team is KKS, lah. They they show no signs of weakening. Yeah, I think season six is as Isa mentioned nearly flawless uh, as the last three to four seasons have been, lah. It was balls to the wall, man. Balls to the wall. There's a uh, this mystery of really intriguing mystery of Paul Coulson, who he is, where <laughs> he came from, the rescue of Fitz 2.0 or 1.0, I guess in in space. 1.0, right? He came from the past. 1.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it all weaves together into this like world-ending thread involving like incorporeal aliens and body snatching birds, which sounds weird, lah. But fuck, you're scary. It's so yeah. good though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as usual, as as Adi mentioned, there's so plen- so many great turns filled with a lot of super plotting, right? Awesome action yeah. and a, a great care for various character arcs, mm-hmm. even within all of that. As usual, Shield maintains a breakneck pace. Ever since it started doing the pod format, yep. it was always very fast, with exciting builds and pressing threats that coalesce into this epic action-packed, mind-blowing climax that Shield is so skilled at doing. You know, like at the end when they were facing off with the big bad, and then yeah. the second big bad came. Yeah. At the beginning of the last episode. It was bigger than the first big bad. And then, wow, this is the worst timing, but the best timing <laughs> dramatically, lah. <laughs> la. You know. Uh, it, it was great, lah, and and I really like how they built their own mythos. Yeah, they know? have. Like they have inco- They are no longer relying On the comics Or what's happening In the MCU mm. In general They have their own Stories to draw from exactly. And their own callbacks And everything yeah. uh, And it really goes bro- For broke With another Ballsy ending That totally upends The status quo Once mm-hmm. again You know, They've been to the future Where do they go now Where uh, else, where else? <laughs> And uh, shout out To once again Fitzsimmons episode yes. Heartbreaking Mind blowing Caught in a Mind prison With yeah. so many callbacks to their history together yep. From being trapped underwater By Grand Ward To Hydra Fitz To the surprise uh, Manifestation of Like Gemma Simmons's Repressed trauma Trauma yeah, yeah. In the form of some uh, Ringu monster Yes <laughs> Uh, yeah, I that, mean that is a good description. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah uh, and and it, this is this cursed couple trope that never stops being compelling. It's the Downton Abbey. The Downton Abbey <laughs> thing, yeah. uh, Right, right. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful narrative. You it know, is. like when he threatened Simmons with like, oh, why don't I bring back Ida if you are still a child and that kind of thing, and then she like came back. It's like, what the fuck, you know? Are you fucking kidding me? Not, you know? It's it's all those small moments yeah, yeah, yeah. that I really loved. Uh. But I mean, that two part finale, right? Mm. Fucking crazy, bro. It was. The me fight with the, the sword fight, yes, oh. up oh. and down the stairs, yes. and everything, Netflix. yeah. It was up there with all the Netflix uh, fighting scenes for sure, like in Daredevil sure. and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we'll we'll delve into spoiler territory after we give our ratings. So, sure. what would you rate the season? Uh, I'll give it a eight and a half. Yeah, I'll yeah. give it an eight point five as well. Yeah. Same. Oh, I'm gonna give it an eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Okay, so let's talk about the finale. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler Spoiler territory. First of all, uh, Coulson being a manifestation of the third monolith. Yes. Very cool. <laughs> very Harry Potter. Uh, I I love that they brought back uh the the rock kid from the future. Flint. 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 Yeah, yeah Flint. Flint. Yeah. Uh, forgot his name. 
yeah, the rock hit from the future, mm-hmm. and then he rebuilt the fucking. Mo- I didn't even think of that, like narratively. Nope, nope I did not. Like, we were so far away from that already. Yeah, like when when he when she brought him back, the big bad villain lah. Uh, what, what's what's the name? Izel. Izel, right? Yeah. I was like, why? And yeah. I was like, oh fuck, yeah. To build the fucking monolith. He can make one of this. But even like the fucking red herring, right? Where yeah. they were going on and on about, we've got nothing to fear, we've got nothing to fear. And then she goes like, who is that? And he yeah. pants over. <laughs> now I'm just like, wow, come on guys. Do you have to do us like that? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful narrative tying it all together, all the mythos that they build up. Yeah. Um, and that finale had a lot of incredible fight scenes, they a lot did. of incredible yeah. surprises with uh, Coulson will he or won't he turn to their side yeah. well, when he stepped Agent May in the, in the stomach. Summer. I mean, I knew she wasn't going to die, but still it didn't lessen the, like, dram- the dramatic yeah. impact, impact of it. Especially like when she, he, then he pushed her into the portal, right? Yeah. And then like, you're not sure. You're not sure. Yeah, you're not yeah, sure. Exactly. But then like inside the portal where, where you're incorporeal, so death doesn't matter, you can't bleed out, things like that. So yep. it made sense that she would live. La, yeah. You know. Uh, at the same time, like, but they had, did they have the MacGuffin of the magic sword which can kill them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the sword's in her, so it's okay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the little thing that they did showing uh, New Coulson's power level. Yes. In terms of how, like, he just, like, stood there fucking no selling uh, Daisy's uh, quick, quick abilities. Attack, yeah. yeah. And then she did one hand and then she did two hands. <laughs> And he was just like, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever. I'm more powerful than you. I know, right? And and to think like last season, I was like, yeah, maybe quick with the graviton powers can beat Thanos. No lah, cannot lah. <laughs> I'm sorry lah. <laughs> now now that I see it in effect against like this lesser aliens, like no lah. <laughs> lesser aliens, <laughs> yeah. it's true, it's true. Yeah, he is an alien. Yeah. Uh, Chronicoms. I didn't know where they were going with it. No, um, me neither. Well, yeah. we yeah lah. Like, they kept having so. like these little stingers at the end of each episode, yeah. right? And then you're like, where is this going? I well, guess they're going to season seven with them. Yeah, or do it like the the yeah. real big bad lah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you guys have any spoilery thoughts that you wanna like just spill? Uh, wow, they killed off a lot of people, man. Well, Keller. Keller. We can, we can say it for sure. Davis. Now, Davis. Yeah. That Davis death was really like whoa. Mm. It's just a fall and then he just hit his head. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was pretty brutal. <laughs> that was like the possession thing was quite cool. Correct. Yeah. And like how she used her possession to kill him. The possession mm. power, the way they they visualized it was very cool. I love jumping from body to yeah. body. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, I loved uh, May's story arc throughout. Yeah. Her confusion at what the hell Sarge was. Yeah. yeah. And then her slow realization what he is, and and her hope. And her hope. Yeah. Mm. Mm. There was this one moment where Daisy was the one who was telling uh, me that like you are letting your emotions get in the way, right? Yeah. She was gonna go kill Sarge, and then yeah. Sarge got her sky. Sky. Yeah. And then like, because his memories like. We're right, coming back. Exactly right. So uh, like there was such a good one word way yes. yeah. to explain why she wouldn't do it. Yeah, because exactly. I was thinking yeah. like, of course she would kill him lah. There's yeah. nothing he can say. And he to- he, he totally like destroyed my argument with one word, you know. And it's I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would definitely evoke the the mother uh, not mother, father daughter feelings yeah. that they have. Uh, you're referring to Martha as the other Martha, word. Yeah. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> yeah, he could have said Martha, right? So like, what do you say the name? <laughs> <laughs> I mean also the review at the end, you know, um um LMD. Coulson, Coulson Coulson back, yeah. But yeah. now it's like Chronicom <laughs> LMD Infused Infused in, ni- in 1931 yeah. In the past Fucking cool Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you guys see the season tra- 7 yes. teaser? Yes mm-hmm. Of your Facebook la. So it was uh, set ni- It's now set in 1931 They're going back to the past yeah. uh, Are they bringing uh, Hayley? Odds are yeah, yeah The entire Agent Carter cast Is rumoured to be coming back Very I nice. do not mind Including Jarvis And, oh, and, and Howard nice. Stark And all that Let's go uh, Of course uh, Hydra will be back Because Hydra's still around Let's go I mean I think it's the 
Chronicles are great. La. I mean, I love the Chronicles. Uh, yeah. Enoch is fucking cool. I love Enoch now. <laughs> you know? I love his deadpan delivery yeah. for Fitz's everything. Fitz's best friend. Yeah. And the whole friend out was actually quite sweet. <laughs> the one that he changed his mind? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I did something bold. <laughs> <laughs> but as cool as the Chronicles are, right? Shield has to end with Shield versus Hydra, right? Yes, la, yeah. that makes sense, la, yeah. right? I mean, Hydra yeah. is like the one big bad. And since they're destroyed now, might as well use yeah. them later. La. I don't know how they're going to bring back Grand Ward, but they will. La. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah. lah. I, I mean, like I this one, that. he comes back all the time. One yeah. last time, and I like that they 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 saved uh, like one season without Grand Ward. Yeah, you that's know? true. So like, is this the oh, first season? first season that Grand Ward was not yeah. in? Because he cameoed last the in the framework. Framework, framework was there. Yeah, yeah, Agents of Hydra. Yeah, and then correct. he was Hive. Yeah, yeah he was Hive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, and then yeah. season one and two, he was normal Grand Ward. Good guy Grand Ward, bad guy Grand Ward. Hive, Hive, and then framework Grand Ward. Yeah. So how are they gonna bring him back? Oh. 19 okay. 19- LMB lor <laughs> Another one yeah, Another one uh, Let's do another LMB It's such a Megafin Let's do Yeah or like one of those Like fear monoliths Or whatever Yeah why not uh, Right That would be so good though mm-hmm. I mean who Of course of course, like That would be their greatest enemy lah, Grand Ward lah. Grand Ward Like it has to be right It, yeah. just, it just feels perfect I don't know how they're gonna like We'll see we'll Tie see. it in I mean Grand Ward's turn Was one of the best things That happened for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hands yeah. down yeah. Right yeah. Back in the day Yeah Yeah it it paralleled like the Winter Soldier mm. uh, arc and then yeah. totally revamped the show. Thank God! Uh, fantastic. If you don't watch the show, I mean, I, I don't it. know. I don't want to say like just go to season one, episode fifteen. I think that's when it gets really good, yep. and then it just sort sort of builds all the way there. I still think like maybe season four was like its pinnacle. Mm. During the Ghost Rider arc mm. and then yeah. the Framework, framework arc up. and yeah. even the LMB arc. Now that I'm rewatching it. Like good too. it's good too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was actually hoping Reyes would make a reappearance since they referenced him so much. I'm sure out. they'll make a reappearance. But he's like doing Terminator, <laughs> and he also has his own Ghost Rider show coming up on Hulu yes, as well. Is. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Uh, but weirdly enough, that Ghost Rider show is not tied to uh, uh, this MCU. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not set in the MCU at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is an alternate universe mm. where I guess now he lives Wait, in Texas. Wait, is Agent still considered canon? Agents is technically canon because you know Agent Carter is there, yeah, Coulson yeah. is there. Yeah. But it's loosely canon lah. It's like very loose, right? It's yeah. like canon adjacent now, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, the best place to be because you don't want to be too directly too tied in, also, right? Yeah, too yeah. directly like weighed down. Yeah. Now they can go to their own routes. Yeah. If you want to like hit canon in your head, how I've thought about it is mm. Agents of Shield right now, season five onwards, mm-hmm. exists in the universe where Thanos left. Because uh, if you remember, like right. Thanos in the in the past, he left his timeline to go to another timeline mm, to yep. fight. Our Avengers, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that timeline doesn't Thanos, have Thanos. Yeah, so yeah, Thanos yeah, yeah. never made it to Earth. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is why they don't reference the blip or anything. Correct. Yeah, so in my head, yeah, they just exist in that timeline, lah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would like for them to elucidate it, but like my head no, it's fine. to work. That, that's enough. That's enough. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, next up, uh, let's talk about the new season of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yes, son. Uh, based on Margaret Edwards' seminal novel, the first two seasons of The Handmaid's Tale have been very urgent, very yes. uh, politically uh, uh, resonant. Relevant. Uh, yeah, relevant. Yeah. You know, uh, brilliant, but also oppressive. You know, It's a series about an author- authoritarian theocracy where women are slaves and yep. it isn't supposed to be pretty. Uh. Nope. But its depiction of female misery was starting to feel very unbearable, verging on oppression porn. Oppression porn, yeah. yeah. Uh, thankfully, season three trades in some of that brutality for hope. As June and the others slowly start to catalyze, like the right. revolution is finally starting. In Gilead, a lot of people forget the book 
it's a history lesson. The book yeah. was a chapter in history. It was an ep- it was looking back into a, a distant past mm-hmm. where Gilead existed. The revolution already happened. Mm-hmm. They're now teaching kids, but oh, how fucked up that was. Mm. So and so how why we, yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Did happen. So I was <laughs> waiting for the show to like, when are we gonna get there? Well, yeah, we got a, a a tiny glimpse at the end of season two. Right, right, you yeah. Know? But like, okay, they're doing it in small ways, and I understand mm-hmm. the the need to do it this way because a depiction of a real world revolution and how you overthrow some something this massive should not be easy. Should not g- happen overnight. Mm. But at the same time, it shouldn't be forever, lah. Yeah, la, yeah, la. And it's starting to feel like forever. But yeah. okay, the revolution's happening. Bit of hope. The air of dread and uncertainty for this woman is still stifling, but they yeah. are like the moments of victories, the moments of catharsis to cling to amidst Correct. the suffering, right? You know, and and by the end, I was heartened to see the re- revolution take shape. Like, yeah. The finale, I feel, was huge. It, it was, was tense and triumphant, and yeah. almost like biblical in a book of Exodus kind of way. Yeah. Uh, with Edward's original book, the epilogue reveal, you know, Gilead is a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. This is how they're gonna get there. Um, I like how season three continues to expand Edward's world in surprising way. Uh, look yeah. into Gilead's stronghold, Washington DC. Oh uh, man, very frightening. That was so scary. Uh, the place is even more fundamentalist and oppressive than June's current environment because yeah. they exist on the outskirts. Yeah. Uh, Gilead's diplomatic relations with other countries also very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Relations with Canada, Switzerland, Switzerland, uh, and, and America, which is now based in Hawaii. Hawaii. Uh, and plus, you know, like we have to say this uh, it, this, it goes without saying, so we take for this for granted. But Elizabeth Moss is amazing. La. She is. It, and I feel like last season when I reviewed it, I kind of overlooked Elizabeth Moss because like we take for granted how, sh- how, how good she is. she is, right? Yeah. But her acting is always top-notch. If you're like... I mean, she's... Okay, like, we're a resting podcast yeah. Yeah, on the side. She's like Kenny Omega. You know? like, we take her so for granted. She's always like 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 performances all the time. Yeah. Uh, minor spoilers ahead, but there's a scene late in the season where she's talking to Commander Lawrence. Yes. Uh, Bradley Whitford. Yes. Uh, she's talking him through her own rape. Yeah. That's insane. Like he, she is trying to convince him to rape her mm-hmm. because if he doesn't, they would both die. Yeah. Like Lawrence doesn't want to do the ceremony because it will break his wife. Mm-hmm. But June understands that if he doesn't do it, all three of them are dead. They're on the wall, right? Yep. So she's there, forced to be supportive and informative and helpful. In her own rape Which is just a new layer of awful That I haven't seen depicted in the show Yeah uh, It's actually quite brilliant writing like, and, the, and the way Moss played that scene phew, Exceptional I mean there are so many scenes Where Elizabeth Moss Just stole it la. A lot of it is in her face right Her yes. eyes you know, Yeah she has like just that. that face Yeah And Okay it's a lot of spoilers I cannot say now la. Yeah But uh, Great But I loved how there was that That story of Canada What's happening in Canada as well Yeah I mean to to parallel what's happening in Gilead, uh, yeah. and how we also had um, characters which I thought were kind of going nowhere with yeah. the Waterfords, yeah, and how the Waterford story was so integral in this uh, in this season as well. Like. Right, right. The Waterfords, I guess, to keep it non-spoilery, come up in, yeah, uh, was shocking and satisfying because I did, I didn't expect. Yeah, that I also didn't happen. expect yeah. that to happen. Because I was like, where are they going with Ivan Strahovski? She's yeah. good, she's bad, she's good, she's bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess this is where we're going with it. Right, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad that they didn't let Ivan Strahovski's character of the hook either. Because mm-hmm. she's as complicit as Commander Waterford is, yeah. I think. Because at the moment you're thinking, oh, okay, she's going to get away with all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She struck a deal and all that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, on the downside, mm-hmm. and, and I think this is something The Handmaid still has been criticized with before. Yeah. Um, if you watch Dear White People Season 3, there is a spot-on parody of yeah. the show in, in the show. Yeah. Uh, but more than ever, the story really feels like a white feminist version of dystopia, which is different to a feminist dystopia. 
Okay. In small but crucial ways. Okay. Twice this season, June's selfishness and attempts to seize autonomy have led to black women being killed. <gasps> uh, to their credit, and I didn't, I didn't realize it at first, but to their credit, it's an intentional indictment of white fe- feminism. And it's pretty well played because it's organically folded oh, into yeah. how much June has cracked. And it makes her more layered and complex. And she's not the perfect protagonist oh. or heroine. And, and she turns quite ruthless for a while because she's willing to sacrifice especially this, the last, these black the women. Last arc, yeah. Correct, especially the last arc. La. Uh, and co- considering what's happened to her, it's understandable why she's cracked this way. So mm-hmm. you can't quite blame her at the, at the same time. You can ca- kind of realize this is, a, this is a white feminist idea of heroism. Yeah. You know, where <laughs> black women not only die, but they're not, their deaths are, don't even matter in nope. the end. You know? uh, she's being positioned as a revolutionary, you would say, June, right? Definitely. But if you dig deep into the biography of any revolutionary or freedom fighter, uh, like you would see that they do awful things, uh, yeah, because of trauma or because of the need for revenge or even because of the greater good. And June is all of these things. Mm. So I think that framing her as a revolutionary, revolutionary in this way is very subtle, very layered, very complex. I mean, she feels like a dirty Joan of Arc. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Joan of Arc that will exist in the real world and yeah. have to make like real world sacrifices, yeah. like ruinous sacrifices. I mean, Joan of Arc is real, uh, but then. She, she was never I mean but a lot of A lot of Jonah Vuck's Stories mythologized yeah, as well Of course, of course. Yeah. But it's always portrayed As this clean uh, Saintly character mm. With no flaws at all yeah. And that she was uh, Injustice was done to her uh, The winners write the history la. Yeah Yeah. Well yeah, yeah But in this case You know You, you, you see June with, You know when she found a gun Yeah Using the gun the, That uh, was Just crazy shit She like. almost killed a little child Yeah in the end, you know, Because of her Got her running They were trying to run away Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think one slight downside to the handmaid still again is uh, we are talking about Elizabeth Moss's facial acting, mm. right? How mm. great it was. Mm. So I feel like a lot of the times the voiceover work, yeah, the narration by Elizabeth Moss. I mean, mm-hmm. she obviously is not writing it, lah. Yeah, it's unnecessary because it's already expressed in her face. Thank so you. It, yes. it kind of beats you a bit of hit with things that I can tell from her eyebrows, her, all the magnificent small nuances and ticks in her face. She's telling the story already. Exactly. Let her tell the story. So this is so weird because you know when you watch Dear White People, right? And yeah. the narration is so <laughs> so yeah. graphic and so yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so whenever I watch Manhunt, till immediately Dear White People comes. Then to you my start head. like rolling your eyes I a bit, right? My eyes also. So I think if they cut out the narration, just let Elizabeth, might be better. Actually. Elizabeth Moss do her thing. Maybe let her read the narration and then she can tell them like, I don't need this. I know how to say it with my eyes yeah and Ooh. she does you know she does yeah it's it's she's so good she is but sometimes to the detriment of the show's writing because <laughs> it makes it shows you how unnecessary the writing, writing is, is. <laughs> yeah just let like elizabeth must do it man in yeah. interpretive dance she can do it or yeah. whatever you know uh because of the slight downsides mm-hmm. because of uh i mean do you have any more like thoughts and complaints before we get um, to honestly final i think we've said it more or less long yeah yeah more or less I have I have the same feelings about this season. I think it's a good season. It's I think it's better than two. Yeah, but because yeah. of the slight downsides, I rated it a seven. Yeah, I was going to go seven point five. Okay. Yeah. How much do you rate season two, by the way, if I recall? I think it should be around seven or so. Oh, slightly lower lah. Yeah. I mean, season two was a good. Hamilton uh, has never done a bad season. No, 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 no. It's no, just no. that the the cracks are starting to show. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad that they're getting the revolution forward now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking for. It made me want to see season four. Yeah. At the, by the end of uh, season 3 right yeah. like okay wh- what's June going to do now mm. you know it's no longer oh no she's going to be tortured again mm. I-, I would like to see the show proceed to a, a point where she lives long enough to see herself become yeah. the villain yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a-, a-, a Lee Kuan Yew of sorts yeah, because right now it feels like she's no longer the victim yeah right now she feels like she is taking charge of her destiny correct lah yeah in in good and bad ways in good la. and bad ways yeah, yeah, yeah because she needs to sacrifice some people to achieve this 
quote unquote greater good, which mm-hmm. I, I it is a greater good lah. I'm not gonna quote unquote that lah. Yeah, but but at the same time also like giving up a lot of humanity to do it lah. Yeah. yeah. But I love that kind of story. See. Yeah. 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 So yeah, uh, that mitigates my complaints about the show moving too slowly because I realized that it, it can't move too fast either. Yeah lah. Yeah, so it's a tricky balance to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seven out of ten for me. Seven point five from Hardy. Next up. Uh, let's talk about the third season of Shira and the Princesses of Power. Let's do it. If Shira's truncated short second season left you wanting more, you weren't alone. That's because season two's length led to a chunk of Adora's story feeling incomplete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think thankfully the third season is quite propulsive and focused, yeah. and universe expanding that it makes up for it. Uh, not only does it give Shira's sizable cast space to evolve and explore complex relationship dynamics, it also introduces fascinating new revelations, <laughs> non-spoilery, about yeah. the nature of Shira's magic and her connection to Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's totally game-changing. Um, weirdly enough, at six episodes, it's actually more compact than season two. Yeah. But because it's more serialized in its nature, there's a sense of urgent momentum and importance in terms of moving the stories forward. It almost feels like a movie. Mm. Uh, and yeah, th- I, that's why I liked about season three. Like, I saw you caught it as well, yeah, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I think Leaps and Bounds better than season two. Mm. Uh, season two cal- <laughs> felt like kind of like a pastiche of like little character arcs that they wanted to kind of like get over and done with so that they could get to season three. Noel Stevenson complained that season two was supposed to include these six episodes as well. Right. Netflix's okay. decision it was Netflix's decision to spread them. I see, I see. Well, okay, then yeah. that completely explains it. Like, yeah. I didn't rewatch season two to just to kind of get to that just because I didn't think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. But I could see how it would tie together as like one full season. Mm. Yeah. Um I mean, Shira because these six episodes felt like the climax, right? Yes, it did. And then season did. two went nowhere because it didn't have a climax. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh I mean, it's good. Uh I mean, Shira grows up more. Yeah. Catra grows up more. Everyone, everyone grows, right, in mm. its own kind of way. Great character work. Yeah. Uh, I was particularly sympathetic to Shadow Weaver's story arc this yeah, time around, yeah. and I thought that it was uh, touching in a way that I didn't expect, mm-hmm. right? Because I had very little sympathy for Shadow Weaver, even as her backstory started to get, mm. um. More uh, be revealed more right mm. as the seasons passed. Uh, overall, yeah, I thought it was good. You know, uh, I definitely think that they should have kept it as one season yeah. together with season two. It would have made so much more sense. Uh, but on its own, I think the six episodes were very compelling. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was an easy uh watch. For, um, what was it like? A total of like three hours. Six episodes, three hours, slightly less. Maybe. Slightly less than three hours. Yeah. yeah. So like all, all in all, like I really, really enjoyed that. I'm very curious to where they go from here. Mm, that, that that's that what really intrigues me, lah. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I know wherever they go, they will do great character work. Uh, not like they they won't become a story driven or mythology driven show because it is so, the best parts of the show is character building, and la. it has been so far. But yeah. they do. I mean, I think this is the first time we are really seeing interested the in the mythology because yeah. I didn't give a shit before. Yeah, exactly, now I give a right? shit. Yeah. yeah. It's like oh, okay, finally we're getting to who the first ones are. Yeah. You know where it all comes from. And why the horde are where they are, mm. like all these like important questions that we've kind of just ignored because like it's just background for the story. I mean, for the character art. Yeah. Uh, but I'm finally paying attention. Yeah. And I'm really, really keen to see what they do next. I think Shira's heroes are great. They do some character work exploring interior their interior lives, lah. Yeah. But the show weirdly truly belongs to its villains, lah. I think so. Too. This season, like Ketra, uh, Scorpia, uh, even Hordak. Yeah, uh, like yeah, I didn't expect Hordak to I like for, uh, Forced to reckon with the fact That they're not as in control As they would have you believe nope. uh, 
for much of the season, Shira's villains are in a more defensive, ruminative space, which leads to some interesting developments. Mm-hmm. It isn't surprising that there's more to Hordak's story than being around the mill villain. Yeah. But the extent to which Hordak becomes a more compelling character is surprising. It is. Especially if you learn, well, as you learn more about his origins, his weaknesses, his ability to recognize when people are entrapped are truly good uh, influences on him. Uh, I think more than anything else, this season feels like it finally nails Shira's themes of trying to define one's place in the world. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, but as 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 Isa mentioned, what's truly exciting is the show's bold steps towards expanding the world beyond this one small conflict. Mm-hmm. Shira takes a hard turn into a heavy sci-fi, which is exciting because it opens up so many pos- possibilities. <laughs> um, I'm giving this a 7 out of 10. How about you? Yes, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 too. Yeah, I, I gave season 2 a 6. La, so this is an improvement. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, just out of curiosity, if it had been one season, how would you have rated it? Uh... I still think I still think the first half, which would have been season two, was weak. Six point five. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably same here. I I just averaged it out. Uh, I was kind of cheating. Though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, I, if they had kept it as a full season, it wouldn't have been as strong. I think as having two separate seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, I'm gonna delve quickly into uh, a segment we like to call quick hits. This is where I watch all the things that my co-hosts, they don't have time to watch because it is my job to watch movies and TV shows. <laughs> uh, first thing I'd like to talk about is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yes, that's one hell of a long title. And it's based on a famous kids book. Um, unlike Jack Black's Silly Goosebumps movies, yeah. um, Andre Orval's or of Redal's, oh my god, I butchered his name. Andre of Redal and Guillermo del Toro's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark takes its source material a bit more seriously. Horror for kids doesn't need to be kiddie, and this film is an ideal gateway to introduce younger modern fans to the thrill and joy and craft of horror. Uh, much like how Alvin Schwartz's Scary Stories collections inspired a young horror fan and me personally. Yeah. Uh, this is a horror movie about the power of horror storytelling. Okay. The way they folded the book's anthology structure into one overarching story is very clever. Although the plot is yeah simplified for children, there's still much to admire here. It sneaks in legitimately gruesome nightmare imagery that sometimes feel beyond its all ages demographic. There's a danger that a kids movie that is for kids to be overly protective, don't you think? You know, yeah. uh, but with some of the deaths here, some of the sequences here, it tells you right away that there are stakes. That just because a, ch- a character is a child doesn't mean terrible fates won't befall them. Likewise, the film's dedication to recreating Stephen Gamel's uh, unforgettably ghoulish artwork is stunning. Those illustrations haunted my dreams as a child, and to see those monsters brought to life was a joy. I expect nothing less from Del Toro, who has a history of great creature design. Mm-hmm. Um, shouts out to the makeup team, the prosthetic guys, the practical effects guys, the yeah, actors the, in the suit. Yeah. yeah, great work being done there, man. I saw a bit of the BTS video. Fantastic work, right? Crazy. Yeah. I have to mention the kid actors here too because they were great. Mm. The girl who plays Stella, um, Zoe, Zoe Margaret Coletti, is a star in the making. She's a great tiny little scream queen uh, and she carries the emotional weight of the story with some shockingly good acting. Without her, we wouldn't be half as invested. The movie doesn't condescend to kids but even still, the addition of political subtext like Nixon and Vietnam and domestic abuse and small town racism um, surprised me. Uh, like it scares It doesn't hold back much In terms of giving kids Something to feel And think about It's the rare horror movie That feels suitable mm-hmm. Quote unquote For adolescents And determined to really Scare the shit out of them uh, It's a wonderful Gateway drug For okay. horror for, for like young teens Or like people Between 9 and 12 oh. I think it's like Acceptable for this Okay But there are moments That feel like It's for 18 and above Alright so your parents Can go also lah Can go also lah yeah, yeah. La. But this is like Sneakily all ages Oh okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, Like we, we want to like Introduce you But then like 
We want to like We back. don't kill you all the way we, we, yeah, 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 yeah We won't kill you all the way lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay that makes sense Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Next up I'm going to be talking about Infinity Train Oh yeah how's this Wait did I rate it? No I rate uh, Scary Stories is a 7 out of 10 Okay I forgot to rate That's it. not too bad Yeah it's not too bad yeah. Next up I'm going to talk about Infinity Train Which is Cartoon Network's new uh, cartoon It follows a 12 year old girl named Tulip who runs away from a broken home okay. to attend a video game design camp. She's a gifted coder, a smart puzzle solver. But more than that, her dream of designing games represents a path to adulthood and freedom away from her family, who are very dysfunctional. Okay. Uh, on her way to camp, she boards a train, but it's not just any train. She finds herself aboard a seemingly endless train where each car contains a separate universe. Mm. The show follows her almost Sisyphean quest to escape the train, mm-hmm. making her way through surreal, fantastical, and imaginatively realized worlds at infinitum. Uh, and there's where th- that's where the show shines because each universe is so wonderfully realized. Each universe is kind of familiar yet warped, kind of kind of a warped dreamland of astounding characters. Some of which become friends, some of okay. which becomes enemies. Uh, bizarre landscapes with both joy and danger. Um, a lot of the obstacles going from car to car is. Based on emotional logic Which is a struggle for Tulip Whose brain is wired to think scientifically as a coder And and that's kind of the eventual point of the show Watching her get in touch and work through her repressed emotions uh, As a coder and as a scientific thinker She doesn't really think that way Okay. Uh, she doesn't understand why her parents were divorced mm-hmm. And sometimes blames herself the train is helping her reconcile with those confusing illogical emotions. Illo- emotions is not logical. Yeah. Uh, and this was such a thoroughly fun ride, balanced by some surprisingly mature themes with only 10 10-minute 10 episodes. It is a breeze to watch. 10 10-minute 10 episodes is quick. You can just watch it at one go. Definitely one of 2019's best new cartoons and probably the highest rated thing I will be talking about this month. It's a 9 out of 10. All right. Brilliant. Next up, talking about the third and final season. Of Legion Oh Legion season 3 Finally 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 returns to form While season 1's Unbridled creativity Astounded Season 2's Abstract style Frustrated Season 3 Reframes David As the true villain mm-hmm. Which gives the show A momentum And a clarity It hasn't had in a while Yes Noah Hawley Can't help but get Super playful With the season psychole- Psychedelic journey Through time And yeah. the astral plane And he's very prone To unorthodox editing Musical interludes Structural playfulness Reality distorting visuals And mesmerizing f- flourish in, in all Surreal bouts of them mm-hmm. But the emotional through line Of Sid's trauma From being raped in season 2 uh, Slash hero's journey Yeah And David's refusal To accept accountability Slash yeah. villain's journey Offers a steady anchor Amidst the acid trip And flights of fancy uh, Season 3 also introduces Professor X Oh yes. and, and David's mom Which is pivotal And satisfying And really illuminating With regards to David's genetic history With mental illness yeah. Where does it come from Does it come from Genetics Does it come from The Shadow King uh, It wouldn't Be a surprise to say That maybe David Was mentally ill Before the Shadow King yeah. um, Plus I have to shout out Chapter 23 The Time Demon episode Which is possibly The best episode of Legion That Noah Hawley Has ever done mm-hmm. He created these demons Called Time Eaters That are truly unsettling they come from the fourth dimension. These villain, this villains have like two large smiles and blurred out bodies and time glitchy movements. Mm. Are some of the creepiest innovations the show has ever concocted. Plus, the episode also featured a crossover with The Shield. Oh, what? On FX. You remember The Shield, the cop show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, the TV show featured David going out of sync with time, jumping uh. through and forth. And with the TV show, the network FX went back and forth in time. 
And in the middle of a scene It just jumped to To shield To one of the shield's Most iconic scenes From his pilot you know, oh. where, where he beat up The rapist With yeah, the yeah, phone yeah, book yeah, yeah. I was like Oh shit This is a Is this for real It's a time glitch It's a time glitch la. And then he went back To the show Oh shit So I went online To make sure that it wasn't Just like Like FX locked up Yeah FX locked <laughs> up It's like yeah, no, no, no. No, like yeah I intended to include That shield Yeah Oh that's quite cool actually It's, it's wild and trippy Very fresh uh, Satisfying conclusion In my opinion okay. It doesn't quite reach The heights of season 1 But this is well worth my time Better than season 2 Definitely a lot Way better Part of this season Lies in it Part of the season's Beauty la, and strength lies in its return to the eight episode format. Ah, okay. Last season, the show ballooned to eleven episodes, mm. which left its creativity unfocused. Yeah. Uh, Legion as a show is like David's Omega Power levels. Yeah. It has endless possibility and endless creativity, which can be all inspiring but also all consuming. It needs to be focused, and the shorter season gave it the limiter it needed. Uh, at at its best, Legion is audacious and cr- creative and trippy, and all these bizarre musical numbers and rap battles and inventive imagery were all transcendent. Mm-hmm. At at its worst, its visual flourish can't mask muddled storytelling. Okay. But right at the end, Legion's final season managed to infuse emotion and poignance into its imagination, making it beautiful and meaningful. So this is a seven point five out of ten. No, oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, I'd like to talk about the horror comedy surprise of 2019 this summer. Much like Crawl, which we reviewed last month. Oh, yes. Ready or not, popped up out of nowhere to become like one of my low-key summer surprises. Okay. It's a wickedly funny and gruesomely gonzo horror comedy. It's kind of a pitch black satire that skewers the one percenters. Yeah, I mean, you showed me the trailer. All right, yeah. yeah. If you're unaware, it follows every woman, Grace, who's played by Samara Weaving, who marries into an absurdly wealthy family. Mm-hmm. The bride's joy turns into terror on her wedding night when her blue blood in-laws attempt to murder her in a ri- ritualistic game of hide and seek. Yes. You see the family's board game empire. Yeah, yeah. they're a board game empire. Uh was founded by their great-grandfather who made a deal with Satan. Oh, okay. That and makes so much sense. This ritual is the one thing they must do to retain their wealth. They uh, don't do it often. Okay, okay. Uh it's it's a gamble when they have to do it. Okay. It just so happens that Grace is the unfortunate one time in yeah, her lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so the story is about out-of-touch aristocrats hunting humans. Not exactly new, but this one comes with a subversive twist, taking yeah. aim at obscene privilege, bigotry, and horror of institutions. Okay. Set in a great big mansion, lots of dark corridors. A lot of hiding places. A lot of hiding places. Yeah. Ready or not, is basically follows Grace as she hides from her, from her in-laws who are wielding weapons like crossbows and axes. <laughs> they can't use wep- modern weaponry because they have to maintain... Uh, we- weapons from when the deal was made. Ah, okay. So medieval weapons, lah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and they're all rich and spoiled, and they are not good at using these weapons. They're super incompetent with it. Oh, this. That, that adds the lay- layer of comedy to it, lah. Mm. There's a running joke where they keep accidentally murdering the servants. Oh uh, no! That's at first it's very horrifi- horrifying. Just yeah. a, a maid walks in and she gets shot with a crossbow, thinking that it's the it's Grace, lah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's very it's really gruesome, but it keeps happening over and over again. I thought it's funny. And it gets funnier as it goes along <laughs> because they keep. Getting killed in more and more over the top <laughs> ways. There's also an aunt played by Melanie Scrofano who mm-hmm. plays Winona Up, a uh, show I really like. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Who is a drug addict. And every scene she's in, she barely has lines, but every scene she's in, right, she's either snorting something, in, injecting something, or popping pills, and she's only ever in the background. Okay. Like a Wes Waldo character. Okay. And like the moment you notice her, right, you start looking for her in every scene, like <laughs> taking drugs. 
Like she's almost a, a non-factor in, in the in actual the entire, but, okay. but you just see her in the, Oh shit She's taking cocaine there Oh shit That's her <laughs> doing heroin It's hilarious la. um, It's also full of thought thrills mm-hmm. uh, A lot of bloody sequences Big laughs Ready or not Mixes scares And comedy to deliver A blood-soaked crowd pleaser mm-hmm. A lot of the commentary Is unsubtle I have to say Okay. Uh, but there are parts of uh, A lot of parts of it A lot uh, Not as clever As the filmmakers think it is Okay. So the key here Is for its Lead actress Samara Weaving Our protagonist Scream queen To hold it together And yeah My god She is a star With a capital S mm-hmm. This girl is revelation Where did she come from Because I have not Heard of her before This Neither movie She is effortlessly charming Proactive uh, Heroine Resilient Funny Very easy to root for And whether she's Delivering fear Sadness Or punchlines She nails it every time This w- movie wouldn't be Half as good without her Okay She reminds me a lot of Jessica Roth From the Happy Death Day franchise mm. And, 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 and okay, that, that's yeah, a yeah. huge compliment So keep the name Samara Weaving in your minds Folks I think she's going to be A really really big star Another uh, the, the, This generation Scream Queen Yeah yeah Alongside like Jessica Roth you Okay know? I, I think those two Are those like two. Unreal uh, They should do a movie together They should do a movie together Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ready or Not isn't a great movie Okay It's a great time Ah okay It's a 7.5 out of 10 for me Alright Yeah. One of the movies we're reviewing later will be like that too. One of the mo- oh right, <laughs> not a great movie but a great time. Great time. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, I'm gonna be talking about uh, Peter Strickland's latest film called In Fabric. Mm-hmm. It's exceedingly bizarre. It's mm-hmm. a t- story about a cursed red dress and the terrible fates that f- before the people who wear them. Yeah. And let me tell you, this is probably the strangest film I've seen in the 2000s, <laughs> like in this fucking century. You know? <laughs> okay. And uh, one of the most original. It's very lurid, it's sumptuous, and entirely uncategorizable. In Fabric com- combines Italian giallo horror, like the old Suspiria, yeah. with some very British deadpan comedy, like from Extras, <laughs> to create this ravishing dream logic kaleidoscope that is funny and, and scary. Okay. It's disorientingly experimental, mm-hmm. very fetishistic, sensually. Uh, and it's playful in its commentary about consumerism, about why people must buy things. Okay. Uh, and it makes for a very willfully weird but very intoxicating experience, a bit like the first half of Mandy. Um, um. F- there is a strange department store run by witches, who are who all speak in, who all speak in like almost 18th century English, but are weirdly up with buzzwords and consumerist things. Okay. So they they're like they fold together okay, into like okay. this bizarre vocabulary that is like. You had influencer But also an 18th century witch Like a Salem witch Yeah But also like a modern influencer But also like a And trying to sell you dresses <laughs> It's weird. Like hashtags and all Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and like uh, And also there's the absurd mundanities Of each victim's inner life So one yeah. of the victim Is a washing machine repairman uh-huh. And the movie spends like Half an hour Showing him going around Houses Fixing washing machines Okay. And he has this weird superpower where, like, he's able to entrance women by talking about the logistics of washing machines, about like the dryer and the and the the buckle and like oh the the pivot and the rivet or whatever. And, they and then they're all entranced and like super attracted to him. I can, I guess that kind of makes sense though. It's weird. No, he's fucking ugly, lah. By the way, no, no, I know, yeah, no, yeah. but 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 yeah. he just talks in a very dead dead eyed voice and he looks into the distance and suddenly everybody is like entranced, even oh, the witches. Wow. Uh, okay. When he talks about washing, washing machines. Machine. Uh, it's probably a tad overlong and probably a bit too avant-garde okay. and sometimes feels indulgent but it's oddball humor the fetishistic sensuality of it and striking imagery is quite mes- mesmerizing it works okay. it's a 7.5 out of 10 for me <laughs> okay uh, now showing at the projector if you live in Singapore yeah. uh, brought in by Anticipate Pictures so do check it out okay. only at the projector okay speaking of avant-garde things uh, legendary French auteur Claire Denis uh, makes her 
English language debut with this chilly, ruminative, and animatic space thriller titled High Life. Mm. It stars Robert Pattinson, aka the new Batman. Yeah. Structured elliptically, uh, High Life jumps back and forth in time to follow a crew of death row inmates yeah. forced to serve out their sentence by carrying out science experiments aboard a vessel drifting out in deep space. Makes sense. These experiments range from harnessing the power of a black hole to carrying out fertility tests to see how deep space would affect pregnancy and the growth of a child. Makes sense. So all the men must offer sperm samples while all the women on board are, ca- are forcefully impregnated. <laughs> After years and years of being cooped up in a sterile box, cabin fever, repressed urges, and hopelessness starts to crumble the crew's psyche. Uh, and keep in mind, they are death row inmates, so they weren't stable to begin with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so that's where the drama sets and that's where they start turning on each other. Uh, the film is beautiful. Uh, it's largely wordless, almost barren of dialogue and often abstract. Gorgeously, f- gorgeously framed, long wordless stretches convey stark loneliness and mm. psychological de- degradation. It almost feels poetic. Mm. But like a lot of Denise's movies, they can also be extremely disturbing and brutal to watch. There are sudden bursts of violence and rape that are difficult. Mm. And there's a weird room called a fuck box where crew where crewmates like unleash their carnal desires. Uh, that is very difficult to watch as well. Okay. Uh, the juxtaposition of sterility and, and bodily fluids like blood and semen everywhere is very well done, showing the messiness and tenderness of humanity that can pervade even in like vast, lifeless vacuums. Uh, at the center of it all is Robert Pattinson, who plays our lead character, Monty. Pattinson is amazing. He is evocative and the thumping heart of what could have been a cold film. Uh, he is slowly coming into his own post-Twilight and... I think he is one of this generation's most interesting actors thanks to brave choices like this. Uh, this movie is a 7 out of 10. Ooh, not bad. Yeah, not bad. I mean, we always had one. Robert Pattinson has gotten a lot better since Twilight. La. Yeah, man. He's been in quite a few numbers where his acting chops are so on display. So to be seen la. in The Lighthouse, directed yeah. by Robert Eggers, the director and writer of The Witch. It does sound like that, right? With, um, uh, who is fucking Green Goblin? Oh, from uh, William Dafoe. William Dafoe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not William the Friend, William Dafoe. <laughs> uh, wow. It's the, it's the meme, like. Yeah, I know, it's the meme. I'm sure you all have seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, I'm going to be talking about Rocco's Modern Life, Static Cling. This is Netflix's follow up to a cult favorite Nickelodeon cartoon called Rocco's Modern Life. Okay. And it was low key one of my most anticipated things this month because it has a nostalgia thing for mm-hmm. me. Uh, but for those unfamiliar, the series centers on a surreal life of an anthropomorphic Australian immigrant wallaby. I love that really. Named Rocco, as well as his friends. It's mm-hmm. set in the fictional town of Old Town, mm-hmm. uh, not to be confused with the boy band. With the boy band, yeah. Throughout its run, the show was controversial for its adult humor, including double entendres, innuendo, satirical social commentary. It's kind of similar to Ren and Stimpy. Okay. If you've seen it. Uh, in 2019, franchises coming back after decades is nothing new, right? Mm-hmm. What is new, though, is how each handles their return, and few are as clever as Rocco's modern life. Because this show went off in 1996. Holy and shit, since then, has been totally absent. Not online, no comic books or anything. Yeah. So in Rocco's modern life static link, their absence is the driving force of the plot. Mm. Rocco and the gang have been stranded in space since 1996. <laughs> and they come back to Earth in 2019. Okay. To a world that is very different from the one that they left. Yeah. So the idea of Rocco's modern life acting as a commentary on the ways technology and political correctness have blossomed in recent history is a smart one. Young kids will surely enjoy the film on surface level, but what makes this update of Rocco special is that kids like me, who grew up... <laughs> And uh, with it, I uh, get something out of it too Because it offers perspectives on all the crazy ways the world has changed yeah. For better and for worse since we last watched the show uh, While the written is smart, it's sometimes clumsy in its execution But okay. I found myself smiling through most of it So it's a 7 out of 10 Not bad uh, Speaking of Netflix reviving decades-old classic Nickelodeon cartoons Specifically oh, yeah. 
They also brought back Invader Zim for yeah. a new animated feature called Enter the Floppus. Uh, and I'm glad to say that creator, I'm going to butcher his name, Jonen Vasquez. Hey, okay, well, not bad. J H uh, O N E N. I wanted to buy a vowel between a J and a H, sorry, Jonen. <laughs> uh, has perfectly recaptured the show's original tone and aesthetic. When you think about Invader Zim, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Have yes, we have. Back in the it day. is. Um, the entire world is kind of like in the state of rot and decay that like you know people don't really bother anymore. Tonally it's very grimy and dark and misanthropic. Mm-hmm. Uh it's almost a precursor to Rick and Morty in terms of his willingness to hit you with like morbid sci-fi concepts. Uh and Invader Zim Enter the Floppers is a, a darkly hilarious return to form, imbuing okay. an all-new narrative with a surprising sense of emotional pathos. The character beats work best if you're a long-time fan of the show. But Enter the Floppers holds up as a standalone movie. If you haven't even seen it, okay, I guess uh, I don't know because I've seen it, so I'm not the best judge. But I think can hold up. All right, I'll take a gander at it. It mixes a hilarious tone of genuine human emotion. But mm-hmm. what's really interesting about Enter the Floppers is how the basic elements of the story read in 2019, mm-hmm. as opposed to how they might have been when Invader Zim was originally airing in the um, early 2000s. Correct. Yeah, uh, Invader Zim <laughs> was a series about a paranoid fanatic <coughs> named Dip who spends most of his hours lurking in the dark corners of the web, feeding his obsessive delusions about an imminent alien invasion. Yep. The joke was always that the invasion wasn't going to happen because Invader Zim is incompetent, he is. and the alien empire lacks interest in Earth at all. Yeah, uh, this it's, movie it's like a backwater. Exactly right. Yeah. So this movie turns Zim into a legitimate threat, though, for once, oh. which gives Dip. The series' antagonist, mind you, a real reason to fight him, and it makes you question who you're rooting for and why. Oh. Especially when it comes, especially when this movie dives into the insecurities and selfish motivations of both characters. Dip isn't doing this to save the world; he's doing it for selfish reasons, and and so is Zim. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting character study for a, a kiddie show. I really liked it. Seven oh. out of ten. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Next up, I'll be talking about a Beatles-less alternate universe <gasps> romantic comedy called Yesterday. Yesterday, directed by Danny Boyle. Uh, as I mentioned, it's set in a world where the Beatles don't exist. Yeah, how did this go? We follow Jack Malik, who's played by Hamish Pate. Yes. Pete, uh, who is a struggling singer-songwriter. Can we do a spoiler one for this? Sure. Are you going to talk about it? No, I want to know what happened. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, okay. So he's a struggling singer-songwriter. Yeah. One day after an accident, he wakes up magically in a world that doesn't remember the Beatles, but he does. Yeah. Hamish, whether out of sense of righteousness or selfishness, it's never really clear which one is which. Makes uh-huh. it his purpose to restore the classics to the world. Does he want to do it because he wants people to know the Beatles' music, or does he oh, want he it wants for to be fame? Famous. Never quite clear. Okay, it's a killer premise that could explore art and inspiration and how both shape cultural context. Yeah, right? Yeah. What would the music industry be today about the Beatles? Very different. If the Beatles released their seminal songs today, would it be favorably received, considering that it was such a product of its time? More, more or less, yeah. It was a product of his time. You're right. Right, right. Yeah. It could also explore the idea of plagiarism and easy fame. True. Hmm. It could also be a killer musical soundtrack by one of the greatest bands in the world. Right. Yes. It does none of these things. Oh god, damn it! <laughs> I was so hopeful. <laughs> I was like, yes. These are all the things that it could do. It did not. It did not do. So what did it do? It's a romantic comedy about him trying to get a girl with Beatles music. No. And it the, is such the, a good premise. The dramatic crux is where did this girl fall in love with him? Three and it songs? Has nothing to do with the Beatles or the music industry or how the Beatles got shaped or not shaped the world. Not, nothing about plagiarism, nothing about any of it. it wow, that is disappointing. It feels that every turn is so much wasted opportunity on the table, which is a shame. The idea was so solid. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. The trailer looks so promising. Yep, yep. 
So yeah, three out of ten. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I didn't watch it. Then. Sorry, Danny Ball. I think this is one of Danny Ball's worst w- movies. Weaker movies, la. Yeah, okay. Probably worse, lah. I don't think Danny okay. Ball has ever done anything close to this bad. Nah. Like the beach was, meh, but not bad. Yeah. It wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah. All right. Your pirates. Uh, speaking of weird and bad things, let's talk about Wu Assassin. Wu Assassin. This new Netflix original is about a man named Kai Jin. Yes. The, played by the race Iko Uwais. My, uh, I love him, by the way. Who is charged with a mystical mission to become the Wu Assassin yeah. and stop evil spirits who have partnered with evil men to do bad things. There we go. Being the Wu Assassin makes Kai stronger, faster, and more durable than the average person, but yeah. also means he per- periodically merges with a long dead monk. Yep. Played by Double Dragons, Mark. The Coscos. Uh, Again, a very good, uh, <laughs> a good, good stuntman also. Good, great stuntman, yeah. right? Both these guys. So let's get this right out of the bat, right? Man, this is a goofy ass show. <laughs> so goofy! It is so stupid. It's like seven layers of cheese topped with cliches and yeah. plot holes and yeah. stilted dialogues. Yeah. Uh, Bad acting. Man, in terms of <laughs> premise and execution, it reminds me a lot of Iron Fist season one. Oh my god But with the big difference Being that at least The action here is Legitimately yes, amazing Exactly yeah. It's surprising Boom. How much you can forgive Dramatic feelings Of an action show If it can succeed In its one key ingredient action. Which is the action Right Yes That's all I ever really want From an yeah. action show And the fight scenes here Are fantastic yeah. So a lot of it Can be forgiven I, I'll say But not good, quite Yeah yeah I'll say about not 70% I can forgive lah it's not quite the rate level good. If it no, was no, the rate no, level no, good, no, it no, would no, no, no. Like in terms yeah, of fighting, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Then, then, yeah, fuck it. Because the rate had no story. Oh, se- the second one was mostly story, though. Mo- yeah, the first one, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still an impressive mix of choreography and grace and brutality, yes. which I like from fighting shows, lah. Yeah. It's just that everything else sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys saw Wu Assassin, or at least a bit. A of bit it. of it. What yeah. do you think about it? Uh, we, I think Isa and me, both of us agreed, right? Yeah. That the fighting was great, but mm. the graphics, the CGI was bad. Yeah. The acting was bad. The pacing was bad. Yeah. Like everything outside of the action itself. Like it's it's even it's it's to the point whereby the fight scenes are beautifully shot, but yeah. everything else is not. Yep. <laughs> How? It's like they brought in a completely different like DOP to do the fight scenes. Well, the the, the like, yeah. it's the second it's the second unit that does fight scenes. And yeah, the exactly. Unit so drama. the second unit, second unit uh, is amazing. I'm like. quite sure it's yeah. like the top of the line kind of like uh big B unit that yeah. does this, right? They're probably bench guys for John Wick and the yeah. Raid. Yeah. But like they're A level guys here. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. Oh. There's so many hilarious lines. Like, okay, I'm so sorry. I love Ewo, okay? Yeah. I loved him in the raid. I didn't love him in Star Wars. Do you know he was in Star Wars? He was in five seconds. Right? Like five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Okay, never mind. Anyway. He was from it was at the Chunk Kanja Club scene, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh no the ship, the ship, uh, Han Solo. Yeah. Then yeah, Kanja Club sent us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. I remember Star Wars. I must not yeah, yeah, but I remember. I know. Yeah. But god damn it, man. That's uh it it just he needs annoyed to, to his lane. Yeah. Just 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 fight lah. Yeah. Just fight. I mean you know? uh, honestly. Which honestly, he did lah, he did. All I needed, right, was a premise. Yeah. And lots of fighting. You know he could have been a silent protagonist. Really? Uh, yeah. Honestly, okay. you okay. could just make him a silent protagonist. For sure. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. And it would be so much better. I mean, I, I, I don't hate the guy. I really like him. But god damn, man, that acting. Like, his lines were so bad. Uh, well, I mean, oh. to be fair, I only made it to like three and a half episodes. Oh, I made it through one only. Yeah, so like, just from that alone. Hey, did you finish it? Uh, no, I made it to five episodes. Oh, not bad. Uh, you, did, you did the most among us. Yeah. Uh, I rated a five out of ten. Really? Because the action. Uh, can save pass it lah. La. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, I mean, it is an action. 
uh, series. Like fresh is six out of ten, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't want to fail it either. Okay. So it's not a super rotten. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the action is great. I'll give the action about a seven and a half, lah. Yeah. But because oh yeah, so it will round off about about okay. five. The, sh- the show is a three out of ten. Action yeah, is yeah, a seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. So five, lah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Now, now, if we could just. Again, like as you pointed out, right? All we need is the B team to do Iron Fist, mm-hmm. and we would still have Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, we we have Shang Chi now, so uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sneak attack! Sneak attack! Sneak attack! Shout out to our Asian boy. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, next right. up, we'll be talking about the latest edition in the Fast and the Furious Ooh, franchise. Uh, this th- this one is hard corner. Uh, Quick hard. <laughs> this is like one of the rare times, and I'm the only one. Well, Hardy will talk about the Fast and Furious. Spin-off Yeah Hops and Shaw A Fast yeah. and Furious story Yeah <laughs> I, I'm not sure there's actually it's Subtitled that Fast la. and Furious presents oh, Hops and Shaw I did the Star Wars thing Yeah la. you did <laughs> Yeah So anyway Just so y'all know I've been begging them I've been saying that Hops and Shaw Is a sci-fi show and It is like It has a super soldier It has a super soldier With futuristic tech And uh, And a glimpse of What would be A dystopian universe In the future Right so anyway, Hobbs and Shaw has one thing that is great: chemistry between The Rock mm-hmm. and uh, Jason Statham. Great tag team. Really great tag team. Great cameos. Uh, spoiler alert! Uh, fuck it, I'm going to spoil it. Ryan anyway Reynolds. Now. Ryan Reynolds making a really, really long cameos, mm. like 15 minutes, I think. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah because he had a and he had a uh, mid credit and uh, he had a a whole chunk of dialogue throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart so playing surprising. a. Huh? It's not surprising because of his relationship with The Rock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, the movie itself is ridiculous. There's no... It's like Wu Assassin's Line in, in the way that the story doesn't really matter anymore. Mm. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, there's a virus. It's a very Mission Impossible kind of thing. Mm. There's a virus. We need to stop the virus from spreading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this super soldier is trying to reclaim the virus. Right. Yeah. The virus is in a woman. Uh, played by um, my favorite uh, crown actress Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. Was also in Mission Impossible, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I I, I love that that kind of uh, little little things. I do say though, like I saw the BTS with Vanessa Kirby's fight yeah. scenes, and they look really good. They were. Yeah, because like, like a lot of girls don't get fight scenes in Fast and Furious. But yeah, she did. I mean, I think Michelle Rodriguez barely, was, uh, barely had one with yeah, like, yeah. Ronda Rousey, remember? Right. Yeah. In the hotel. Yeah, that's about it that I can remember. Apart from that, yeah, not much. Uh, it's very clear that this is like the. Vin Diesel's ugly stepchild la, mm. of the Fast and Furious. Well, they have problems, right? Yeah, they can't work together. Yeah. They 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 had to see, they had to film like separate separate separately. La. Yeah, it's damn weird. Damn weird logistics. Because they have a they also have a clause in their contracts where they cannot lose fights. Mm. Which makes it hard to choreograph things for. Uh, I mean, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, la, late nineties WCW. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so no one can <laughs> No one, hilarious. no one will know. But if you watch wrestling, you know. But if you're okay, you only watch this movie if you are the fan of The Rock, or Jason or Statham. Jason Statham. Mm. If you're a Fast and Furious fan, you can kind of miss this also. It's the, it's the solo of yeah of Fast and Furious. Yeah, you don't really need to catch this. Yeah. If you're a fan of The Rock like I am, yeah, then yeah, you can catch this. Um. So how as a movie though? I mean, as a movie, yeah. it is actually fun. Mm. Right, it it delivers on what it promises. Mm. Big action uh, sequences, um, rock saying cool things, mm. and Jason Statham being witty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for Jason Statham standards, lah. Yeah, yeah, with his wine liners and his uh, rejoinders to the rock, lah. So it's cool, lah. Um, I will actually rate this about 
a six and a half la out of ten la. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's a fun time, but yeah, it it's really no consequence to the Fast and Furious series at all. So I guess I understand why Tyrese Gibson was pissed off with the Rock lah. Mm. Yeah, they could really have not made this movie. I'll be fine. So this was the tenth edition of a street racing franchise. That is no longer a street racing. <laughs> there is no more street racing. What is street racing in Fast and Furious? No more. I think they dropped it about yeah. Fast Five. But really, on uh, on the trajectory that Hobbs and Shaw is going, right? Yeah. The next episode is a dystopian universe because there's no. Now but e- even in the trajectory of the Fast and Furious movies, because they are fighting super spies. Super spies. Yeah. They're, they're driving Lamborghinis from plane to plane. Exactly. They're drop kicking torpedoes. Yeah, and they're fighting like this elite. Underground organization with unlimited resources and These all that. These are street car races, you know. Not anymore, man. Like, like your average beat cop is in charge of <laughs> taking last them. Time, yeah, last <laughs> time, <laughs> when Paul Walker was on. Yeah, they couldn't even <laughs> escape the the average beat cop, you know. <laughs> they could. <laughs> but look <laughs> how far they've come. Yeah, last time was just like city detectives, you know, yeah, like on the case. Or at least detectives, <laughs> yeah, CID, city detectives, CID, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like who does like Grand Theft Auto and that sort of thing. And now it's like not even the not even the CIA. Okay, mm. their their missions are so secret, right? Yeah. CIA don't know about them. The CIA doesn't Classified. know. Classified. Yeah, they are being led by the guy called Mister Nobody. Yeah, from from Carousel. <laughs> like Patrol, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if uh, Mister Nobody exists between universes? Yeah, but I I tell you, okay, right now the next thing that they're going to do is dystopian universe. No. Or Well, let, let's take a minute to talk about like where how we would write this. Oh yeah, let's do this because this is this is incredible. This I, is great. I, the next one needs to be space. Yes, As, obviously. Yes, they need for aliens. Yes, in space. Yes, the logical conclusion to this franchise is the time travel thing, right? Yes. Yeah, Days of Furious Fast. Right? I love that name so much. Which is a title I ca- like came up with during when a house party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, this of your spas amazing. What they need to do is an end game back to the future type of thing. Correct. Where they go back to scenes of various movies. Yeah. Where? I want to see Hobbs and Shaw face off against bad boys. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that one is the next one. Uh, when next we one. we hop multiverses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but for now, we'll do the time travel. Yes. They, they go back to specifically the turning point is when the Asian dude dies. Yes. In What, uh, Tokyo Drift. What's his name? I can't remember his name. When the Asian dude dies Can't in Tokyo Drift, yeah, in Tokyo Drift, killed by Jason Statham, who Correct. is now a hero. Yes, exactly. So my my pitch is that Jason Statham wants to go back in time. Yes, they can't encounter this technology somehow, lah. I mean, there's futuristic technology already. Correct, correct. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe the organization is from the future. Maybe. So they have like that tech already, right? Exactly. So he takes it. He goes back in time because he doesn't want to kill this guy. He feels bad about Correct. it. Correct. Poor Asian guy. Yes. <laughs> he he saves the he he fights himself to save the Asian guy. So that the family will be because uh, uh fu- the Fast and Furious series is all about family. Yeah. Yeah. So now the family is back together. But because the Asian guy is alive, he goes back to the future, and it's a dystopian future. Why? Why? Because if the guy is alive, right? Exactly. They will still be doing heists. They wouldn't yeah. be saving the world. Yes. All the threats from Seven, Eight, and Hobbs and Shaw yes. would not be addressed. Yeah. And the world will be in chaos. There'll be robots. The world won't be, be saved. There'll be super soldiers. Exactly. Yeah. So so he has to go back in time to fight himself who's trying to fight himself. <laughs> exactly. Right. So he has to stop himself from stopping himself. How great is that movie? That's amazing. That's and amazing. Because of that, he creates parallel timelines. Yes. Which is where we can delve into multiverses, you know, All they can, right. they can, you know, now interact with like Aquaman or Bad Boys uh, exactly. or whatever. Right, with James Wan on the hel- in the helm. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So this is the thing. Right now, Fast and Furious Vin Diesel, if you're listening, mm. this is what you need to do. Like, uh, please send us your email. Uh, we I will email really you would the like details. To write out like a three-page draft for you, lah. Yeah. Like a pitch. Don't worry, this will sell a lot in China. It will. Yeah, we'll do very well in China. At the very least, I will buy tickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Hobbs and Shaw was a great movie. 
Go and watch it I, I won't pirate it eh. If you've got it. nothing better to do uh, Yeah Okay 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 Things Back to our regular scheduled programming. programming. Uh, I would like to before we delve into D twenty three and Sony and Disney and all that. Let's uh, go through quickly. Uh, what I like to call the pool list, which is yes. where I recommend reading material. Uh, firstly, I would like to talk about uh, a series that just ended called Paper Goals. Uh-huh. It's by Brian K. Vaughan, who is yep. probably my favorite comic book writer of this generation at this moment. Wow. He wrote Why the Last Man mm-hmm. Ex Machina Runaways Saga, Saga. All our masterpieces uh, And while Saga continues to be The darling of the comics industry As it should be It's great uh, His other ongoing series Paper Goals Is just as amazing I feel What's it, it about? It flies under the shadow of, of Saga But I don't think it should It just recently ended With issue 30 Last month uh, And now that its run is complete I'm going to go out on a limb And I say that It's the most satisfying Brian K. Vaughan Comic book in my opinion Okay Because I felt Slightly let down By the endings of Ex Machina And Why the Last Man mm. okay. Slightly okay. Great books overall uh. Yeah okay. Slightly let down mm. by the ending okay. Sega hasn't reached his ending So I don't know So I don't know lah. But I think as a complete story Paper Ghost is the best Brian K. Bond's ever done He never finished Runaways He left after issue 12 Things like that lah. Mm. So Paper Ghost follows the story Of four newspaper delivery goals In the 1980s uh-huh. On one fateful early morning route They become accidentally embroiled In a temporal war Between two time-travelling factions One side is called the Old Timers Responsible adults from the future Who are dedicated to preserving The organic time stream Okay They believe that time travel Should not be toyed with okay. The other side are the Rebels Teenagers from an even further future Who believe that each generation Should be allowed to fix The previous generation's mistakes Using time travel Okay Like each generation should be allowed To create their own ideal scenario Kind of each have their own moral Correct la. And yeah. if the following generation doesn't agree eh, Go fix it la. Yeah, yeah Now because it was originally set in the 1980s right And features kids on bikes <laughs> Who go on a sci-fi adventure It was compared to Stranger Things uh, And that's super unfair Because the 80s setting was just the first issue oh, bef- okay. Before they go on hundreds of different time zones la. Time yeah, zones yeah, yeah. Uh, Timelines yeah, yeah, yeah. Time zones like they go to Australia <laughs> 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 Like GMT plus 8 <laughs> They like savings <laughs> um, uh, uh, Yeah okay That's the nostalgia That comes with it But yeah. it's only the first arc The rest of the series Finds them hundreds of Thousands of years In the past During prehistoric times mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands Of years in the future okay. And hundreds and thousands Of years further Into the future Where the teenagers are from uh, And then there's some stops In the 1950s The year 2000 And the year 2016 uh, First of all The book And Chiang's artwork Doesn't shy away From very huge Very weird Epic Things They mm-hmm. are like Techno knights Riding dinosaurs Oh I love that They are invisible mechas They are kaijus From the fourth dimension Wait how did he draw Invisible mecha um, What Invisible what uh, uh, Like one of them One of the Kids has the ability To see them oh, But the rest cannot see lah. Yeah Okay cool uh, I, I wouldn't spoil What happens to the child okay. lah, But like She gains some powers That allows her to see Through the fourth dimension Cool 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 uh, In terms of the time travel uh, Bond keeps it very tightly plotted mm. uh, Introducing clever paradoxes And neat time loops That are not just mind-bending They're also ironic And tragic And bear a great emotional resonance And okay. significance Beyond the wild action The emotional core Keeps you engaged The show no, the, story, the show The story Is really about uh, Dashed hopes And disappointing futures The contrast between The kids And their dreams Of growing up What they want to be And the disappointing reality Of seeing their adults' lives it's always awkward and moving and bittersweet. They must come to grips with not only that, with not only what they become, but who they are right now and whether they could or should change any of it. Moral quandary, yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, the mystery box nature of the book is well crafted, but it's the journeys of these girls that makes it great. It's the its most powerful moments come from the realization that just because the future doesn't fit their ideals, that doesn't mean that their experiences don't matter. Okay. Mm. In the climax, the girls are faced with a solution to the time travel war. Yes. They can fix it all, but it would mean resetting to the day that they met, ensuring that they would never become friends. Yeah. Uh, with the fate of the world and the time stream and entire generations and trillions of lives at stake, the cost of their friendship seems small, but it doesn't feel small. You see, yeah. the series does such a great job of investing you in their friendship and their growth and their journey of self-acceptance and their self-discovery through their relationships with one another. To see it all wiped away, it's very heartbreaking and almost makes you feel like you know, fuck the future, la. like let oh these no. kids be friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, also, I recommend that you read. Okay, don't buy the trade paperbacks. Buy the single issues. Okay. I recommend that you read the letters section after each issue, because it's filled with stories and anecdotes from former people, boys, and people girls. Oh wow! And it's really cool. Uh, they are, they encourage former people, boys, and people girls to write about their experiences, lah. And it created this weird community in the in the letters section where they started their own club. They they made their own like uh cards that they give each other. And now they're own all part of like a former people, boys, or people girls community, lah. Wow. Yeah. And it's almost like I almost like enjoy the letter section a bit more because it's like real. These are real letters. Yeah, right? real people. Yeah, wow. who wrote in. Right? Okay, it's cool. Uh, Feels very old school comic books. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 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 And, and the, it's all about like it's the newsletter is run by someone from the eighties, So it's all about prints. You know, keeping uh, print alive, yeah, etc. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so if you're looking for something to read in between Sega's painfully long hiatus, <laughs> how long has it been? This uh, has been a year now. Whoa. Yeah. It's uh this is a nine point five out of ten for me. Whoa! It's it's an almost perfect story. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Next up, I would like to talk about a new comic from Ed Brubaker, uh, who is a very famous comic book writer. If you've ever read Gotham Central, yep, Catwoman, Daredevil, yep. Captain America, mm-hmm. he won an Eisner Award for his run during the famous Captain Amer- the death of Captain America arc. Ooh, that was a good arc. Though. Was him the Winter Soldier arc? Was him Ooh, that was another The movie up. Winter Soldier Is based on his run yeah? Yeah. yeah 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 Uh, He's also done some Amazing indie comics Like Criminal Etc This guy has always been One of my faves And his latest comic book Is called Bad Weekend Predictably excellent Bad Weekend looks at The seedy underbelly Of the comic book industry mm-hmm. And the sad fates Of comic book creators And superhero creators Okay So this book reflects On real life Where the labour On most big name Superhero properties Gets done for on, on work for higher terms, right? Yeah. With the lion's share of the profits going to the corporation that owns the trademarks, and the creators are often unsung. They rarely get adequate financial compensation for creating multi-billion-dollar properties. Yeah. You hear all these stories about people all like, the time. Uh, crowdfunding for uh, surgeries and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. People created like Deadpool. People created like major comic properties, right? So the story concerns Hell Crane, the main main character of Bad Weekend. He hasn't. He's a former comic book creator. Hasn't retired gracefully at all. Oh no. He's a grumpy old man who has. Very uncool interactions with cosplayers and fans. Oh, no. In this graphic novel, Hell reunites with his old assistant Jacob, who reluctantly agrees to chaperone him around a late 1990s Comic Con. Mm. The tension between Jacob and Hell is very good, dialogue-wise. It, it it simmers and it tells you a lot while actually telling very little. Okay. But you you get the gist of why they hate each other or why they feel resentful towards each other, and it revolves around Hell's que- Hell's quest to get some payback for stolen art. Yeah. Wounded pride. At a convention where he's just supposed to be getting a lifetime achievement award. Okay. Uh, being an industry vet, Ed Brubaker has very keen insight into this into the situation mm. and the and the characters he po- he populates Bad Weekend with. Mm. So it's very uh, very realistic depictions about the indignities faced by comic book creators and the shadiness of the corporate machinery that screwed them up, la. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
very good story 7.5 out of 10 uh, That being said We will be talking about Some very major Big op- comic book corporations Later Exactly We are sucked into it anyway Yeah Finally Finally I would like to talk about A short story collection Called Someone Who Will Love You In All Your Damaged Glory mm. uh, It's written by Bojack Horseman creator Raphael Bob Waxburg yeah. uh, This short story collection Channels much of the same Caustic humour And heart-rending dialogue As the Netflix series mm. The stories alternate Between surreal Sci-fi inspired tales And more grounded vignettes But okay. many are A poignant mixture of both uh, There are 18 stories Of varying lengths uh, Damage Glory is Deftly and confidently written uh, Full of experimental fun uh, The first story Salted Circus Cashews Swear to God Is about a nameless couple Who finished a date And gone to his house It's very short But the way it builds tension Is beautiful And its use of font Is crucial to the story Font gets bigger yeah. Smaller yeah. Bigger smaller Okay Uh its text starts to get bigger or, or smaller and smaller by the end it's as minuscule as the ingredients on food packaging mm-hmm. so you have to really squint at it when you understand how it relates to the story's themes you'll see how clever it is okay. uh, this brief two page opener perfectly sets the tone for the collection as the story which seems at first like it's about nothing becomes intense and anxious uh, an internal monologue about the perils of trust mm. Uh, trying to not spoil it But you know, trying to give the gist of it uh, Many of the stories have the same formal Of fantastical gimmick Including one about superheroes Whose powers only work when they're drunk And another about a couple planning A small non-religious wedding Who get pressured by friends and family uh, Into hosting uh, <laughs> Oh my god, okay So they have friends and family From alternate universes and they are, they are forced to do a wedding with alternate universe traditions It's funny and weird And more about how you're beholden tradition Than it's about alternate yeah, universes yeah, 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 yeah. There is one story called Rufus That's entirely told from the point of view of a lovable dog uh, mm. No, it's not peanut, Mr. Peanut Butter uh, While those two stories here feel similar There are themes that seem to preoccupy Bob Waxburg Mostly involving emotional vulnerability The Makes ways sense. in which hu- in which humans shut themselves off from one another And that deeply terrifying thing uh, Love Whether romantic Or platonic Or familial uh, Which is kind of a theme That he does with Bojack Horseman Quite a bit yeah. It seems he, The one thing That he's this very obsessed with yeah. Yeah. Uh, Damage Glory Owes a big debt To postmodern irony That permi- that permeated Like experimental literature For a time And thankfully It doesn't dwell in cynicism Because it's actually Quite hopeful Which is surprising uh, it manages to balance ironic humor with a deep sincerity that is surprising and delightful. So nice. I liked it. It's uh, eight out of ten. Another good one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about. Well, actually, like pull this right. So it's everything that you like. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, let's before we get into D twenty three. Yeah. Right, let's talk about the Marvel Sony divorce. Well, Kay. despite having, if you don't know, yeah, if you don't know, yeah, background. Despite having appeared in some of the most recent MCU titles. Sony and Disney are disputing over producer credits and character licenses mm-hmm. that will leave Spider-Man out of the MCU family and mm-hmm. Kevin Feige's creative control indefinitely. Exactly. Despite Spider-Man Far From Home and the Avengers Endgame being huge box office champions for both parties, right? The future looks very grim for Spider-Man. Yeah. According to Deadline, uh, this dispute is actually about it's between Sony and Disney, not Sony and Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This so parent company, parent company. Correct. Marvel Studios Kevin Feige yeah. enjoys a good friendship with Sony chief Amy Pascal. Yes. They're good friends. Mm-hmm. The story is about Disney squabbling for more money. Yeah. And Sony, rightfully or not rightfully, depending on your point of view, wanting to retain as much control as possible. Uh, but the, essentially, the deal is that so Disney wants money and a lot more money. Mm-hmm. So uh, what happened is Disney asked future Spider-Man films to be a 50-50 
co-financing agreement between the studios. And that's where the discussion ended. Because their current agreement is 5%. Yep. 5 so, to 95. Yeah. 5 to 50. 5 to 50. Yeah, yeah. So it's a 10 times increase. You don't ask for a raise like that, lah. People are going to balk. You know? Yeah, I mean, it might be a negotiating tactic. Of course, of course. You you go for yeah. the ball, high ball part first, ball, and yeah. then yeah. But it's negotiating done in public, and it's getting very ugly mm-hmm. because when you get fanboys involved, you get death threats, you get picketing, you get a uh, protest, and pickets, and all yeah, that, yeah, shit like that, right? Uh, so a lot of I feel Disney is in the wrong here. You know, in a little way, yeah, because uh, they are not the underdog. Correct, you know what I mean? Correct. So I have three questions I want to ask you. Whose side are you on? Yeah. Number one. What does the future life of Spider-Man live-action films, considering so much of his foundation lies in the MCU? Mm-hmm. Finally, do you foresee this f- dispute being settled? Oh no! Honestly, I think I okay for everyone's sake, right? Yeah. I mean Disney, Sony, and the fans. Yeah. I feel that they will settle it eventually. Right, right, right. Right. There's no way that they will let something this freaking good yeah go to waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sony, come on, let's look at your track record, lah. Spider-Man entered the Spider-Verse though. I mean, yeah, yeah, but that's one in six. One in no, one in one in six. Well, Spider-Man two was great. Spider-Man two was great. Yeah. Spider-Man one was alright. Yeah. Spider-Man three was weird. Amazing Spider-Man one and two was hmm. Mm-hmm. That happened. Yeah. Venom, Venom. Yeah. That happened too. Venom made a lot of money though. It did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, but I have no idea why. Also, it made more money than uh than Justice League, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Everything made more money than Justice League. <laughs> Justice League, Shazam combined. <laughs> Cannot beat uh, Venom. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel that Sony kind of have the... Kind of have a little bit more moral high ground sure. in this argument. I I want to see... A, I love MCU, la, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I yeah. love Spider-Man and MCU. La. Yeah. But to imagine a world where Marvel owns everything is very sad. Or, one, or not Marvel, Disney owns everything is very sad because... Great content comes from diverse points of view. Yes, and, and competition. As great as MCU is, right? It's kind of a fairly homogenous thing. Yeah, MCU would never do Legion. Never. Nope. MCU would never do Logan. No, because of who their parent company is. Right. It's Disney. Yeah. Regardless of what, you're not gonna get an R-rated kind of movie. I know. I know. So I have to put up with the Dark Phoenixes once upon a time, or to get twice. Logan lah. Yeah. Yeah. Twice lah. Twice lah. <laughs> twice. Twice in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. We did Dark Dark Phoenix twice. Yeah, just yeah, saying. Yeah, just saying. Okay. So I see where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Isa? Anything? Uh, I mean, in this particular case, I think it was a matter of time before it fell apart, right? Mm. Uh, just given how, uh, our Tom Holland version of Spider-Man has done so well, it did over the course of the two Spider-Man movies. And the Avengers And the Avengers movies Civil War as well And Mm, for Civil Civil War War. Like it was a matter of time Before Disney wanted A bigger piece of the pie I do feel like This is Mm. ill-timed I do feel like Maybe the third movie Should have been The point in which You start negotiating Mm. Uh, And therefore You know You would have uh, You give the fans What they want And after three movies Which was the Agreed upon deal Right Mm. Yeah Right Then you can take it Renegotiate neg- again Renegotiate again yeah. Because there's a, there's a chance that You know The third Spider-Man movie Will definitely surpass I mean definitely They can even negotiate For a higher price You know 20% 30% 15 something la. But know, like To jump from 5 to 50, 50 Is a bit ridiculous yeah, yeah for sure yeah. I mean I, I know And I, I know I understand that Sony is coming off a, Of a high right With yeah. Spider-Verse Uh, and now there are more Spider-Verse movies down the line But like it does feel very sad I do feel like we have hit a sweet point As far as Peter Parker goes With yeah. Tom Holland 
but I don't know. I think everybody loses from this mm. for sure. And yeah. as much as Sony would want to try to do their own thing, um, we can say bye to Tom Holland. That's for sure. For now, yeah, for now. They could then, continue doing Spider-Man movies, just not related to the MCU. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of sad. I, I think mean, like, like still starring Tom Holland, but oh, don't, really? don't reference anything. From I, I don't think Tom Holland is. Is tied specifically? It's tied specifically to the MCU. No, Tom Holland is uh, under Sony control. Sony, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Sony okay. Fine. So we might still see him. <laughs> He's the only guy from Sony. The rest are all Disney guys. Yeah. 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 Uh, I am not so hopeful that they will be able to arbitrate this. Yeah. But don't you kind of want to see Tom Holland and Tom Hardy not in the really. same film? <laughs> okay. Fuck. Let's <laughs> uh, <laughs> <This> just be. <me. laughs> my my bet is that Disney is going to green light Miles. Sure, but Disney uh, doesn't own Miles either. Yeah. 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 yeah Miles is still considered Spider-Man property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's how they got to do enter the Spider Verse. Yeah, no. And Spider Gwen, anything Spider lah. Spider in front is is mm. Sony. And by extension, Vulture, Carnage, yeah. uh, all the villains, Anime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. sad. Thank God Tony's dead. So I I I do see where Disney is coming from because Kevin Feige has been doing a lot of the back end work creatively. Yeah. Uh, I do see where Sony is coming from because Marvel has not put a dime into any of the production movies because yeah. all the production is financed by Sony. Mm-hmm. So why should 50% of profits go to Marvel? But I also think that Marvel deserves a bit more than 5%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the 5% is pure profit. La. Pure profit. La. Yeah. And they get all merchandising rights. Exactly. Including toys and stuff like that. La. Mad, right? Mad, yeah. yeah. So figure it out. La. 10%, 5 Fifteen percent or whatever. Y'all are huge corporations. This, yeah. This is not going to destroy your bottom mm. line. So okay, that's the thing. I think if it goes fifty-fifty to Disney, Sony it will, will lose d- out. it will destroy yeah, Sony. Yeah, for Sony and and yeah. Sony has one money-making franchise. This is it. Yeah. They have nothing else. Sony Pictures. I don't want Sony Pictures to go the way of Fox. You know? No, don't. Yeah. We we need someone who competes. Yeah. Yeah. Like once in a while I want someone to like Punch Disney in the nose A bit la. A bit Which did yeah. yeah correct That's why it's so disappointing When things like You know the DCEU right mm. Just craps everywhere That was their own problem Yeah I know Yeah, They can't get out of their way With themselves Exactly So the question is Can Disney Buy Sony Sure uh, of course Disney yeah, can buy everyone The only thing Disney can't buy Is Amazon Because Amazon is richer It's bigger than them Yeah But yeah. what there will be a Disney Amazon conglomerate in the future. Yeah, it's quite they will, scary. They will overlord us from space. It is quite scary, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's it's. I don't. It's sad lah. It's sad. I want Spider Man back in the MCU, but I also want an equitable, reasonable solution for both yeah. of them. Right now, I, it just feels irresponsible and just yeah. one sided. Uh, the only thing that is, everyone can agree of is that creatively, this is the worst decision lah. Yes. Yeah, but financially, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. I mean, Sony needs Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Really needs Spider-Man and yeah. all the ancillary properties. What other things do Sony have? Huh? <laughs> I really don't know. No? Nothing, right? They yeah. really don't have anything that's making a profit. Yeah, that's they have a lot of things, but they're not they're not making a profit at the moment. So Spider-Man, they need it. If not, they're gonna go under. Okay. I firmly believe it. If they lose fifty percent of their profits from Spider-Man, they are done, man. Because Spider-Man made a billion plus, right? Correct. Yeah. Which Marvel only got five percent from. That's where they. We're like, oh, maybe we should maybe get more. Maybe we should get more. Right. Mm. Mm. Then, then, like, take up the production cost also. La. Correct. Yeah. So, that, that was yeah. my solution for it anyway. La. Uh, but uh, Sony unquestionably needs Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Disney does not need Spider-Man. Nope. Which leads me into D23, which yeah. shows off all the properties that they have. Yeah. So many. If you thought, like, Comics Con had a lot of things that Marvel did. Nope. 
So no. many, so many. <laughs> so let's talk about it one by one. First of all, sure. uh, new show announcements. Yes. In terms of Miss Marvel, yeah, a live action Kamala, Kamala Khan, Khan show. Khan. Uh, we also have a live action Moon Knight show, which is going Very to psyched. be fun. Yeah, um, She Hulk, which is going to be about law. Ellie McBeal law drama <laughs> with superheroes. Uh, Legal drama. Yeah, and I I think the and not like the Matt Murdock kind. Right, right, yeah. Uh, where he he treats lawyering like a hobby, doesn't show up to court, doesn't even show up to the office half the time. Oh God, he had a job. Like Foggy Nelson is just there, like carrying all the weight. It's yeah. supposed to be a partnership. Exactly. She hopes is a real lawyer. Yes. With real cases, yes. attacking superhuman law specifically. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. I really uh, want to see that. Yeah. I think all all the stuff they talked about with Wonder Vision sounds mm. really cool. Also, yeah. yes. I, I like the new cast that they've added. Yeah. Uh, Darcy is coming back from Thor 2, mm-hmm. Kek Dennings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the Asian FBI agent from Ant Man 2. Whoever, Randall uh, Park. Randall Park. Randall Park, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's coming back. I don't know why. But why not? Why Randall Park's big shit now, man. He is, he is big yeah. shit. I, I, do have, I do have to say. Uh, Sharon Carter will be back in Falcon and Winter Soldier as mm, well. That one mm, makes a bit more sense. Okay. Like. But Wanda, uh, Wanda Vision is the one I'm most interested in because it feels. Uh, the footage description yeah. describes it as like half Dick Van Dyke show from mm. the 50s with like campy laugh track and everything. Uh, nuclear family kind of oh, stuff. Uh, okay. Which obviously kind of draws point. Tom King's vision as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And half superhero spectacle, multiverse, legion trippiness Let's kind of thing. Go. Yeah, so it, this feels interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will we see Viv? I mean, maybe. 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 Nuclear family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Viv and the mom, I can't remember their names really. I mean, in this case, Starts Wanda with v, will be right? the mom. Oh yeah, Wanda will be the mom. Yeah, because it's it's not Vision that's creating. Yeah, 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 it's Wanda. I wouldn't mind seeing Viv, mm-hmm. and then pushing it off to Hulu to be in Runaways. Yeah, <gasps> that would be fascinating. Because I mean, she's a member of Runaways in as well. Right? Eventually, yeah. lah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, I now she's a member of Champions, right? Yeah, yes, but it'll be a while before they. Do yeah, that's why. Right. Young Avengers also. Yeah, uh, Young Avengers also. Because yeah, she's she's an incredibly popular character. Surprisingly, yeah, after yeah, Tom yeah. King's run. Yes. I didn't think that she would survive that long. Mm. Viv actually originated from Runaways and then Tom King made her famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, lots of other stuff as well. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is getting a Disney Channel animated show. I am so show. happy. Excited. It, it's such a fun comic book. Uh, Kit Harrington has joined uh, the MCU in the Eternals. Let's go. I wonder who will play. One of the Eternals? A lot of people were speculating. <laughs> this is a bit mean. La. A lot of people okay, were go, speculating go, go. before the Eternals thing. Yeah. A bit mean that he was going to be Wolverine because of his height. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, clearly not. La, but people no. were just like short. Uh, Black Panther's coming back in 2022. Three years from now. That's a yeah, long time, bro. Black Panther 2. But I mean, three years is a long time. But it I mean, is. think of all the things that they have in between. La. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got time. So, like, of all the of all the D23 MCU news, mm-hmm. what... Is the what has you the most excited? MCU. Yeah. Ooh, MCU would be things like like what I talked about already, lah. Okay. Wonder Vision is really exciting for me. Mm. Um, but I feel. <sighs> I I like all the the little little like Randall Park coming back. All oh, right. You know yeah, all these little little good, yeah. like meow 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 meow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it, lah. Mm. Phase four and five, lah. Should be fun. What about you, Isa? I feel yeah. like Moon Knight. Might Moon be Knight like up your alley. Yeah. yeah, I've I fucking love Moon Knight. I'm very very curious as to how they're gonna go about it. Yeah. I would love for it to be um was it Bendis that did the mental health uh, Moon Knight? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I would be super interested if they did a series about Moon Knight and his mental health struggles. Bendis does all the street level stuff. Moon yeah. Knight is also a rich guy, right? 
no. Sort of. Well, one of his personalities is a rich guy. It's a rich guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Bruce Wayne type. Uh. A Bruce Wayne type. Yeah. yeah, I'm super interested to see he's going to be attached to that project, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel that oh God, that like, opens up. Yeah, with the Egyptian mythos and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Holly is free, you know, like. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. It makes perfect sense. It makes it makes perfect sense for exactly. Holly to do Bendis's arc. Right. Uh, for Moon Knight, and mm. I would love to see that. I, I mean, I'm excited to see who's gonna do it. Actually, Holly Wonder Vision will be great too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, Kamala Khan. I'm also looking forward to that, lah. That one more because it's of its social political context. I mean, Miss Marvel comics has been great, man. Great, yeah. yeah. G Willow Wilson is uh, you know a Muslim woman mm-hmm. who who can identify with this lead character mm-hmm. in a uh, in a very very real way, like yeah. how she copes with a conservative Pakistani family mm-hmm. and her mod- more modern millennial anxieties and yeah. also superheroics on the side yeah. things like that like, it's very relevant today it what, almost yeah. feels like it could be like a superhero Rami mm. if you've ever seen a Hulu oh, show oh no wow yeah. you're right superhero Rami right right yeah uh, I think casting will be key as well for that one because yeah. uh, she might she might actually fill the Peter Parker hole in MCU oh no you're as right the, as the teen hero yeah yeah that's relatable I mean she was written as the new Peter Parker anyway la. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, finally what I'm most excited by actually right yes despite all that is the What If series the animated <gasps> one oh yeah I saw that one also so there is imagery of Steve Rogers manning some kind of old school Mark 1 Iron Man suit yeah mm-hmm. uh, there is imagery of Peggy Carter as Captain Britain yes like uh, there's an There is an image of Winter Soldier fighting Captain America zombie, mm-hmm. so I think it's Marvel zombies. Why not? Might do, yeah. Like yeah, what like if like Thanos snaps his fingers and they're all zombies, like, something like. Snaps fingers, they're all apes. Yeah. Marvel apes, remember Marvel that? Apes. Yeah. <laughs> so as a half-hour animated show, I think you can do a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and now that they're back with Fox is under the banner, you know, you can put in your Wolverines and your. X Men characters into the mix also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah. how many great what ifs have we so got? So many. Yeah. Wolverine kills the Marvel Universe Oh indeed man Yeah Indeed Okay let's talk about Star Wars Oh yeah Okay uh, Controversial statement Go ahead When was the last time You were legitimately excited Watching a Star Wars trailer Force Awakens Yeah right yeah. Yes right Yes ago Force Awakens The Mandalorian Made me a Star Wars fan again eh? Right <laughs> Right Like I was all like Oh I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst Of a huge Star Trek binge But like the Mandalorian right Yeah Blew my mind like that Can day. I say that yeah. I know we I, This sounds like I'm contradicting myself Because I said that Disney will never do Something R-rated right Yeah But you know that door scene Oh mm. yes <laughs> Shot the yeah, guy yeah, And yeah. pull in And then the door closes yeah. And it snaps in half right Why would anyone ever Design a door like that It well, makes no, but Whatever like whatever. It's cool like. <laughs> It's cool like. <laughs> Yeah so, I was just thinking about like Why would you put that door In your house <laughs> Exactly So Lando is coming back We yeah. see him A glimpse of him Yeah Uh, we do not know where we do not know who this bounty hunt, which Mandalorian this guy is. Yes, I would like him to be like you, bitch, like drive silent, silent, right? Yeah. Silent protagonist because he doesn't say a single thing in this entire trailer. Yeah, um, I love the assassin droid. Yes, right. It's like finally they got it right in the games. They got it right in the comics. Finally, they're doing justice on live action. Yeah, because he's not just a clunky robot back in like Star Wars the original. Right. Yeah, so that's great. Uh, but yes, the, the the trailer was beautifully done, right? It's like it's movie quality kind of trailer, right? And you know, with the guys, you know, like twitchy fingers, clutching Ooh, guns, that you know, like very kind of very feel? western kind of feel, yeah, 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 yeah. spaghetti quick, western quick, kind quick of quick draw yeah, yeah, yeah. in the bar. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a wild west story, lah. Yeah, I mean, and that's what a man, uh, the Mandalorian should be, lah. Mm. Yes, you know, a, sure. he's a bounty hunter. Mm. You cannot get any more western than that. I mean, you got Gustavo Fring in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you think that the plane looked a bit like Serenity? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a Serenity. <laughs> It's like uh, a throwback, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I saw a callback. Yeah, like Nathan Fillion will come out, right? <laughs> uh, 
uh, Gustavo Fring yes. oh, What's his name Giancarlo Esposito yes. I shouldn't call him Gustavo <laughs> Fring uh, Carl Weathers is in there yes. uh, I don't know as what But he looks cool When was the last time You enjoyed a Carl Weathers performance Oh no Then that's not Lando No I, 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 I assume that you I keep confusing Lando For Carl Weathers That's but no. racism guys I know I know yeah. I'm so sorry <laughs> I confused two black old men Yeah Uh Carl Weathers I don't know who is, I thought you had Some sort of backstage news That I hadn't heard oh, no, no, That no, Lando no. was in it I so thought I, that I the Carl Weathers character value. Was Lando Sorry okay. my bad My racism Okay I accepted it At face value Because I thought You read something No 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 no, okay. no 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 So that's Carl Weathers Yeah that's Carl Weathers Apollo Creed If you, yeah, 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 if you don't yeah, know I that. know <laughs> Yeah um, I'm a Rocky fan <laughs> uh, When I heard Zog Also delivering Like the The voice over you know? yeah. When was the last time You heard over the hunting when did it's we a complicated profession <laughs> when did we last year were well, I don't know he's he's kind of this like uh, semi retired right this introverted isolationist solitude guy but he's then but coming out he comes nowhere out, for yeah, fucking exactly. star wars <laughs> exactly the super like indie cons i only show up for cons <laughs> uh, here i am in the star wars universe <laughs> what the fuck sir? i mean he wants to make a you know let's make some money you know that's true that's true um, I really really like the idea of what John Farrell was talking about that this takes place post Revenge of the Sith oh no wait wait uh, no. Push, um, Return of the Jedi Return of the Jedi right, yeah. right, sorry uh, episode six. 6 yes so the Empire is taken down mm-hmm. there is no law nope yeah. and and yeah like we say the wa- New Republic is trying to re-establish con- uh, war, uh, order la. correct correct yeah. so we say Wild West to mean that it is lawlessness. It doesn't mean that it takes place in the Wild West or no, it has no, no, a dusty no. setting. It means uh, an area of lawlessness where law hasn't set in yet. Yeah. Like, where people are not necessarily criminals because they they're not breaking any crime. Yeah, yeah. They're just uh, they don't break any crime. They don't break any law. <laughs> uh. So they are just trying to survive, yeah. right? Uh, doing semi illegal things, but not yeah. really illegal. Smuggling. They're just trying to make it. Yeah. You know. So that's that's the beauty of old West shows. Mm-hmm. It has a bit of modern context to it in in how like. It, America pulled out of uh, Iraq or Afghanistan. Yeah, we're toppling the power structure without having something to replace it. Yeah, like Saddam Hussein was evil, like the Sith were. Yeah, but then again, like once they go, then the, what? The happens? power vacuum is just as bad, you know, and um, creates more chaos, lah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. At least it was controlled. Yeah, uh, exactly. Evil in the beginning. Yeah. Now it's just pure anarchy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of like about it, like politically, lah. Uh, also the Announced Clone Wars Coming back next year In February 2020 I mean we already knew that And now we just have A more confirmed date lah. Season 7 mm. Last and final uh, They didn't get Quite a resolution I feel In yeah. Clone Wars So yeah. this 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 would be great Can fix it uh, I also announced A Cassian Andor series Which is a prequel To Rogue One Yeah Starring uh, What's his name Pedro Pas- Gabriel Luna Gabriel Luna Gabriel, I'm yeah, yeah. Pedro Pascal That's my That's racism yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm racist against blacks You're racist against Latinos Because this is not your first Latino mix up That's true That's true <laughs> uh, Also the one everybody talks about Is the Obi-Wan Kenobi Obi-Wan series. Kenobi Yeah so Of all of these What are you excited for and why? Oh man I'm a great fan of the Clone Wars right? Yeah. I, I watched the series a billion times So I'm, I can't wait I mean we've already seen the 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 unfinished versions of it mm. like a few years ago yeah, I think yeah. so this is be a great return to form lah uh, to finally see um where because it explores more into the the clone trooper psyche mm-hmm. it goes into more of the the uh, the origins of Order sixty six you know and all that like fully exploring it and all that in many episodes uh, and it's good to see characters like Anakin who we've grown to love characters like Rex and um, Obi Wan all doing their things lah, mm-hmm. yeah, and also uh, it fills the gap between um, rebels and Clone Wars. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Isa? 
Definitely the Mandalorian for sure. Yes. I am I also very like curious to see if the Dark Saber makes an appearance. Ooh. Yeah, because, because it's so intimately it, tied in the Clone Wars. into Mandalorian yeah. lore. Like the leader holds the like, yeah. Dark Saber. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm wondering yeah. if they're going to work that in. I feel like that's uh, that's a bit of an Easter egg that they can't pass up. So I'm curious to see how they do it, if they do do it. Because I think the last time it appeared, Darth Sidious kind of took it away. Did after he, he, he killed away? I think after he killed off Maul Not killed off But tortured Maul And killed off That other Sith Yeah, yeah so Maul's it might apprentice be. It might be So I'm, I'm curious to yeah. see that Right Because like I, f- I, I do feel like We've lost a bit of that Artifact Worship That we've We've had for so long mm. Right With oh. um with Star Wars They kind of have it In Force Awakens Right with like, Darth Vader's helmet Yeah, yeah I yeah, guess yeah. so But I mean like, It holds not the power of its own And yeah, of course yeah, yeah, like yeah. That one is more like Daddy yeah. Daddy, yeah. granddaddy, granddaddy. <laughs> I wanna be a Nazi just like you. Yeah, yeah I wanna be a space Nazi. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like you guys. I'm definitely hoping for for uh, a quiet protagonist. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of like watching the trailer. Actually, reminded me of uh, the Dread movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <gasps> Oh, Carl, Carl Urban like talk, Carl talked Urban. a bit But yeah you're right Mostly yeah. silent yeah. protagonist Mostly silent protagonist yeah. I, I really love that movie Yeah yeah, yeah. Like oh. Sylvester Stallone's problem Was he talked too much And he didn't wear the helmet <laughs> he, didn't yeah. he kept taking off his <laughs> helmet yeah. You need to know it's me guys Yeah it's me Sylvester <laughs> Not that his uh, accent Would have given it away But sure <laughs> Sure Over under right Mandalorian is better Than episode 9 I would say yeah Better lah Yeah Over. Even with J.J. Abrams Back at the home And all that <laughs> What uh, we saw, what he did with Force Awakens, mm. Mm. it is. I mean, different like He's ending the cl- the trilogy now. Yeah, ending the Skywalker saga is the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no. Thank God. I'm just thank curious. God. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. The Mandalorian had nothing to do with Star Wars. Yes, exactly. And nothing to do with the Skywalker. I mean, like, yeah, la, Which is basically Star Wars, lah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Had nothing to do with the first family of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. So Star Wars to me, right? The reason I okay, like it's operatically dark thematically. It never felt like real world dark la. Yeah, yeah. Not until Rogue One at least. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not until Rogue One actually delved into the day-to-day violence and sacrifice. And I'm not talking about one family member dying. I'm talking mm. about large scale ruinous sacrifice that's needed for revolution, right? Yeah. In much the way that we talk about the handmaid still. Yeah. Rogue One actually like felt lived in and real. Mm. I would give yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mandalorian brought that back, man. Yeah. I think to me, like my opinion, Rogue One is the best of the new movies. La. Strange, but I a hundred percent agree with you that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, solo, you know, the shenanigans <laughs> that happen mm. behind the scenes and all that. That was kind of barely their fault. Barely like. their fault. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't a good movie, lah. Yeah. I mean, it was an okay movie. Okay movie. movie. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I I agree with you. Rogue One had the most story mm. in terms of like new characters, um, new developments, mm. um, new canon, as well, uh, right? Yeah. yeah because yeah, they had yeah, to switch yeah. up a bit. Yeah. Um and. That com- the ending like the ultimate sacrifice mm. to save the entire galaxy. Right. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Good stuff. Do you think in any of these shows, Cassian Andor or Obi-Wan. Mandalorian or Obi Wan or whatever, right? Obi Wan is a series also, right? Obi Wan is a series, eight yeah. episode series. Will they ever introduce a live action Asuka? Oh, oh, they kind of have um, to. I, I I mean I don't mind. I think it will fit most in Obi Wan. Obi Wan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but. From what I know, they don't interact throughout because she didn't really know that he was at Tatooine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How do you think Obi-Wan would counteract uh, or detract or add to <coughs> the character development already done in Clone Wars? Um, because we don't really see Obi-Wan much. Uh, I mean, sorry. Because this, I think, is set uh, after. after Return, right? I think so. 
Yeah. Eh, no, no, it's not signed after return. He's dead really by return. Yeah. I mean, set after Revenge of the Sith. Revenge, yeah. Yeah. So we've already explored uh, Clone Wars to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. But we haven't really explored Revenge of the Sith to Force uh, New Hope. Mm. Last Hope. New Hope. New Hope. New Hope. <coughs> Last Hope. Last Hope. Yeah. Last Yeah. So it's disappointing. Forgot the, the favorite movie of all. <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, we haven't really explored that that segment of Star Wars yet. Uh, for Obi Wan's character in between, yeah. we saw glimpses of him in Rebels. Yeah, where Rebels is in between uh, Revenge of the Sith and uh, a New Hope. New Hope. <coughs> so it will be interesting to see Obi Wan's character in Tatooine, lah. The only problem is I see him in Tatooine all the time, lah. Mm. So the entire series is going to be in Tatooine. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sure. it's kind of limiting, lah. Mm. In a way, Tatooine is a desert planet with barely anything going on. Tatooine is great for maybe Mandalorian. <coughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dusty. But, yeah, but for mm. Obi Wan maybe not. A bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To be the only setting, cause really he doesn't leave. He has to take care of Luke Skywalker until he grows up. Yes. Mm, that's true. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I think the Mandalorian is gonna set unfairly high expectations for the yeah, rest of the shows. I know, right? The talent involved like John Favreau and Taika Waititi and Bryce Dallas Howard and Werner Herzog and fucking crazy. I'm intrigued to see the Taika Waititi episode. <laughs> I kind of want to. Like, yeah. how does his brand of humor fit into this world, you know? I mean, you can't do a tour. <laughs> It'll be set in a bar, told from the bartender's perspective. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> okay, right? yeah, but, that makes more sense. But what I like about this, right, is that it allows you to have almost episodic TV one-offs. Hmm. You get you can get creative with how you frame it, like a Taika Waititi episode. Like, you know, like Buffy can have a musical episode or something. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. Like. So Star Wars doesn't have to be so operatically serious all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see Star Wars experiment more. Yeah. That's one of the issues we always have with Star Wars. Right, right. Okay, yeah. so like one of the reasons I like Star Trek more is because they experiment all the a time. A lot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like given that Discovery is pushing boundaries like nobody's business. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's time that Star Wars stepped up. I yeah. mean, all, all the way back to the original series. Yeah. Like in the 50s, right? They were doing time loop episodes and comedy episodes and drama episodes and Old West episodes. Things like that. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. like they played the holodeck a lot. La. Yeah, they did. <laughs> It was boring because everything was peaceful. Correct, yeah, it's a utopia, <laughs> right? That's why DS9 was quite fun. Um, <laughs> exactly. I think this is it for this episode of John Rickle. Yeah. Next month we'll be back talking about. Uh, oh my god, so many things, so many things. I'm Let's go. Tired. I'm so tired thinking about it. We have it chapter two. Ooh, that'll be fun. We have Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. That'll be fun. Not to be cause, <laughs> like confused with the Star Wars Age of Resistance. <laughs> you know they they rebranded the various eras. Yeah, yeah, One yeah. is Age of Resistance, yeah, right? Yeah. I will be talking about speaking of Bojack Horseman's creator Rafael Bat. Bob Waxberg, uh, his new show Undone, yeah. premiering on Amazon, uh, next month, uh, called well, yeah, Undone. Undone. It's a rotoscoped uh, animation, animation thing yeah. starring Alita, Battle Angel, and Saul Goodman. I like how you don't know her name. Rosa Salazar. There we go. Rosa Salita, Salazar. Ah, see, Rosa Salazar. Racist. Rosa Salazar <laughs> and Bob Odenkirk. Yes. Not not Saul Goodman. Uh, also, Brad Pitt has a very brooding sci-fi show. Oh uh, yes. Movie called Ed Astra with um, what's his name? Tommy Lee Jones. Right? Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Actually. Yeah. Uh, also, um, the writer director of your name, uh, coming mm-hmm. out with a new anime movie called Weathering with You, which oh, has done exceptionally well so far in the box office. Correct. Nice, correct. nice. Uh, me and Isa will be talking about Steven Universe, the movie. Mm. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I might join you on that though. Oh, sure, nice. Sure. Oh, yeah. you catching up on Steven Universe? Steven okay, Universe. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, also, Carol and Tuesday wraps up. Mm. We'll be talking about singer songwriters on Mars. 
Once again <laughs> uh, Also I'll be talking about Briefly Young Justice Outsiders mm. I like it lah But there's nothing much to add lah okay. Beyond our first review That we've done already So I it's think it's gonna, be, it's gonna be Quick hits okay. uh, Also there's a new show Called Carnival Row Which is set in like A Victorian era uh, With fairies what, what I'm what? not sure What about that we'll, we'll have a talk about it It stars Cara Delevingne Basically <coughs> It's a bunch It's set in a Vague Victorian era Not okay. not in this world lah But it looks Victorian Steampunky Oh okay uh, and there are a bunch of mythical races like trolls. I mean, I've been pining for a good steampunky kind of and like gnomes though. and fairies, right? But yeah. the problem is the humans have wiped out all their natural land and habitat, oh, so wow. they all have to live together in this giant melting pot city, lah. Uh, that evokes 1800s London, lah. Mm. And it's a story about how basically bigotry and racism, lah. Okay, lah. So we kind of have seen that before, but la. also it stars Cara Delevingne, lah. Which yeah. hasn't given me a lot of confidence Yeah, which is the first thing It's like, oh, the acting can't be great then Yeah, I mean, oh. I love her, but Who's the rest of the supporting cast? I mean, yeah. uh, Orlando Bloom, isn't it? It's the opposite love interest <coughs> okay. okay Yeah, so he's a detective Because, you know, you, have to, have, you have to have the detective No shit She is the star-crossed lover oh, Related okay. to the victim So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's the story uh, And for the poll list I'll be <coughs> talking about A comic book called Die Which ah. is actually about A bunch of RPG players Who are sucked into the game And are traumatised And really fucked up by it It's like the anti-Jumanji Let's go Yeah, yeah. Uh, This has been hit for jo- This has been hit sir. This, has, yeah, cool, uh, this is me lah <laughs> This has been it For genre equality I'm Hit Zero I'm Hardy I'm Isa Goodbye guys Thanks guys <laughs>